Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crimes, Creeps and Coffee. I'm Charlotte. I'm Steph. And I'm Nick. <laughs> so this week Steph's going to be covering our true crime murder. Yes, I will. I'm going to be covering the paranormal. I'm going to freak Steph out. Ooh. And Nick is, of course, going to be covering our UFO information. It is going to be a, no news this week. It's going to be a discussion. Okay, that's yeah. fair enough. That's no problem. That's so intriguing. let's get into murder. Do, 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 do. So take it away, Steph. How exciting. So this week we are doing the case of Dennis Nilsson, who is a British serial killer who was Scottish born. Um, he was born on the 23rd of November, 1945. And his killing spree uh, ran between the dates of 1978 and 1983. I have no idea who this man is. I've never heard of him, no. What? This is like, I did this guy in school. Nope, no Have idea. Have you never heard of him? No, maybe when you get into it, I might remember stuff, but at this present time, I've got no idea, so this is going to be a Ooh, treat. Oh, how exciting. Well, he's also known as the Muswell Killer, Muswell Hill Murderer, and the Kindly Killer, so do, do any of them? Kindly. As in kind and nice person. It could be kindly, but I don't think it would be... Kindly? Some, yeah, kindly. Like, kindly. To, okay. I think, I it think wouldn't be the kindly murderer. I, I wouldn't associate kindly anything kind kid. with him. The kindly kid. Maybe, but it wasn't kind though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm just grasping at straws here. I mean, hey, it's, it's K, K I N D L Y. Pronounce it how you will. That was it. it was that. <laughs> <laughs> So because this is such an extensive story, I'm going to be doing this in two parts. This episode, I'll be taking you through Dennis's uh, victims, what happened in the circumstances and how they came to meet their demise. And then next episode, I'll get into more of his profile, why he did what he did and all of that beautiful business. So shall we get into his uh, victim list, shall we guys? Yeah, let me just grab me drink. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to need coffee. Yeah, you're going to need a sip. It's going to be, there's going to be a lot. So Dennis Nilsson admitted originally to 15 young men who died during his four-year killing spree. He refers to the day of his arrest as the day that help came because he recognised that he had an issue. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. On the 9th of February 1983, police were called to 23 Cranley Gardens, North London. Human remains were found in the drains that led up to Dennis's upstairs flat. He was calm and he was described as Mr. Ordinary by police. But when police went upstairs, um, led by Nelson, they were met with an overwhelming smell of death. Oh, it's not, it's not the most pleasant of smells. No. <clears throat> he was cooperative and he was really lovely and he was sort of, he, there was no issue. But when he was asked uh, where the rest of the human remains were from the, uh, the remains that they found in the drains, he calmly said and frankly said, in two plastic bags in the wardrobe next door. Police didn't even need to look as the smell was so bad and he was arrested and taken to the police station. That was the day he was arrested. But as I say, there was a long, long killing spree leading up to that moment. <laughs> Shall we get into his first? Let's. Uh, 
Yeah. How exciting. No. So it all started uh, when he lived at 195 Malrose Avenue in Cricklewood. It was the 30th of December 1978. He was out drinking um, in the Cricklewood Arms, which was the local gay bar. So he was quite, as you'll see, he's, he's, he's very sort of, well, because of the time, obviously homosexuality was illegal. So admitting that you were gay wasn't, you know, greatly looked upon. Yeah, it, they didn't really. Did it come out that he was gay or that he was just posing as a gay man kind of thing? No, he definitely, um, he had a boyfriend um, at the beginning, but then he wasn't really labelled as the boyfriend. He just kind of lived with this man that okay. presented as a relationship. And all of his murders as well are all male victims. So. Have, we, have we got a picture of this, this man? We do. Which we'll obviously post up on social when we announce that. I always episode. like to, to have, a, have a look to. I'm a gander at his facial features. Yeah. He's very, he looks like just a normal chappy. Really? Yeah, so... Oh, right, he looks a bit sort of Jeffrey Dahmer-esque, doesn't Let's he? Yeah, he's definitely got the glasses going definitely on. Definitely, like, British Jeffrey Dahmer with black hair. Black or Bill Gates, I'm getting Bill Gates from him as well. <laughs> Bill Gates as well. Computer genius slash man-eater. Man-eater, yeah, I mean, we can go with that. Okay. So he looks really quite normal, and he's really his demeanor's all quite calm. He's very he's not an outwardly spoken kind of chap, or you know he's just yeah. he's just a normal. Well, comes across as a normal guy, somebody that you wouldn't take a second look at down the street, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that was that was the problem. <laughs> but we'll get to that. We'll okay, get to that. Okay. <laughs> his first victim. He was out drinking in his local gay bar, which tends to be a, a regular thing for him. At closing time, Nielsen uh, got talking to a young gentleman who was made aware of um, a bottle of wine that Nelson uh, had at his home. So he was like, I've got a bottle of wine at my house. Would you like to come and consume it with me? I'm sure it was put a little bit more delicately than that, but you know what I mean. I wonder if it was rosé. I mean... White or red. <laughs> Why does that matter? What, just because all it's, of the wines? Like, can you imagine? Oh, I've got a bottle of rosé. What brand is it? Oh, it's just your local Echo Ford. No, it's all right, mate. I don't want to go and have that. But if it was, oh, it's a Chianti of like... A Chianti? Chianti is Chianti. Chianti then. Oh, this red prestige. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll come back for that. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd go back. I wouldn't go back for a bottle of Echo Falls. Well, I think you would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that too well. <laughs> I mean, I suppose you'd have to sell it. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So he invited them back to his house. Uh, the gentleman followed uh, Nielsen uh, back to the flat. So they they got talking. Um, they just had a they had a drink, and it was it seemed to be a normal night. Dennis got this um, young male ho um, drunk, and they got got into bed essentially. Um, I'm drinking with it. Uh, see, <laughs> nothing was sort of really sort of stated that he had any sort of intercourse prior the the attack okay. it was you'll see with like most of his victims it's kind of just get them drunk get into bed go to sleep kind of thing oh, so they were cuddle partners instead of yeah sexual partners. yeah okay. but um dennis um he has this thing where he assumes that his guests will want to leave so he has this kind of overriding sort of issue that he doesn't want his his relationship or the person that he's with at the time to leave okay. so he does everything in his sort of power to not let that happen yeah he assumed and just decided that he um that his new guest would want to leave so at the cracker door nelson uh, took a tie and slipped it around his victim's neck they woke up 
to Nelson pulling tighter and tighter on this tie. They scuffled and the chap became limp but was not yet dead. So Nelson ran into the kitchen, grabbed a bucket and filled it with water and brought it back to the unconscious male that was lying on the floor. Nelson picked him up, uh, placed him above the bucket to basically dangle his head into the bucket and then waited for the bubbles to stop as he slowly drowned to death. So he waterboarded him. Waterboarded? Is that no, 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 no. Is that not waterboarded? Waterboards where somebody's flat on their back with their head. Well, they're, they're sort of an angle and you pour water oh, in okay, their mouth okay. and nose so it feels there like they're drowning. Yeah, there is a term for that. I can't. Yeah. Apple dunking extreme. That was dark. <laughs> <laughs> but all I can think of is that is have a green apple. <laughs> I don't think there were any apples. It's um, American Horror Story, the first one, where he's like, oh, it's meant yeah. to be red apples, oh, it doesn't yeah. look right. Yeah. <laughs> that was some major geek yeah, the couple. Yeah, I love American Horror Story yeah. kind of goes hand in hand with what we're doing really yeah <laughs> yeah waited to the bubbles for stop rising he woke up uh, when he woke up in the morning um, he found him dead on the bed Nelson uh, came to the conclusion that he killed him he wasn't entirely sure he sort of like it was one of those moments where he didn't really take in the situation or he sort of says that he doesn't recall too much about the situation but essentially he came to the conclusion that he must have killed him <laughs> otherwise like, so how would he, he end he up did in the bed? Essential math and put one and one together and got two. Yeah, and he was just like, I, 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 I must have killed him. Yeah. It just must have happened. A really quick game of Clue. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was interesting. Um, but... Sorry, that was really bad. <laughs> was quick game of Clue. <laughs> Cluedo. Just making everything sinister. Sinister. Yeah. All our childhood memories. Gone. <laughs> but this one, uh, so this murder was really interesting because um, he really took care of the body. He washed, so he gave him a bath. Um, he lay him down in a really com- comfortable position. And Nilsson would go out to work as normal and and return as normal and then when he came back he would have conversations with the body so as if he was just sort of like how are you doing i had a really good day today i found this woman at the office not too great but hey ho yeah so she would just have like conversation with him as, as if, if he, he wasn't dead yeah absolutely he just carried on okay and carried on with the conversations of the body when he was finished with the body um and there was sort of evidence that sort of he masturbated on top uh like over it and also slept with the body um sort of like no cuddling this time no cuddling it went full on he actually had necromancy necrophilia necrophilia necromancy (laughs) is the bringing back of the dead to life necrophilia is where you have sex with the corpse okay but I suppose he thought it was a very maybe he thought he could bring it back to life (laughs) (laughs) no This episode's It's a dark. disease, isn't it? You get from putting your cock in a corpse. Oh, what's that called? I, c- I know that you can get a disease from it because your cousin was telling us about it. I thought you were going to say my cousin had it. <laughs> no, <laughs> gosh, no. no. Your cousin was telling us about it. No, my co- my cousin has never... I don't know, he might have done. No, I'm not on about him. I'm on about... Oh, <laughs> Kate, Kate, yeah. Like Katie, Katie the, who Katie, is okay. a pathologist? No, no. Well, she's, she's a... a science- Bit of my favourite murder th- thrown in there. Uh, no, Kate's not a pathologist. She's no, a um, macrobiologist. Oh, that's it. Which is not related at all to pathology. Oh, well, it's still <laughs> diseases. With... Yeah. Yeah. Is it just a macrobiologist? I don't know. It's some kind of microbiologist. It's like literally doing with the I should pay more attention. Mm. I don't know. It's diseases. She deals with diseases. Oh, fabulous. So she'll know. Like not first-hand experience. I think but... she'd know. 
<laughs> yeah, so he masturbated on it and sort of slept with it. And then once he'd finished with uh, this chappy, he hid him under the floorboards for seven and a half months until he put the remains in a bonfire accompanied by a rubber, ma- rubber to mask the smell of burning flesh. Um, on the bonfire, and then he raked the uh, the ashes into the ground. This vi- pardon, pardon, sorry. Repeat that because that's in my head. That sounded like you said something else. What? What did he do with the ashes? He raked them into the ground. Okay, okay. I thought you said raped. I thought you said raped. No, 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 no. Raked. Like, R-A-K-E-D. Yes. I, I don't know how one could rape a pile of ashes. I, well, <laughs> I'm sure there are people out there who have tried. And that mental image is just not fun. Yeah. Okay, it, you can only get a disease if the person slash corpse had a disease. That's the only time you can get a disease. Oh, okay. So, like, if they had, like, an STI, then you could still catch, catch that it, STI. It, it, I'm saying there's a disease I you get from banging it. corpses. Couldn't find it. <laughs> I don't Maybe, think they have extensive research. I'm, Maybe I if swear one of our listeners know, they can. Yes, please write. Uh, please us. send a uh, what is it? An email. Send us it on a postcard. <laughs> no, don't send it us on a postcard. We don't want that disease. But just let us know in one of the socials or via email. Yeah, somebody's got to know. Somebody like, who's smarter than us lot. <laughs> and Google. And Google. <laughs> Do we have an email? We do have an email. It's crimecreepsandcoffee at gmail dot com. Okay, thank you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and the name of his first victim was Stephen Dean Holmes, and he was aged eighteen, so he was quite young. So he was S Holmes. He was S Holmes. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Let's throw back to my other geek and it geeking out moment. Yeah. A bit of Sherlock Holmes in there. <laughs> it had to come out. It's coming yeah, somewhere. Coming there somewhere. So ten months later, he tried to kill again. I, I say tried. Okay. Uh, he tried to get a killer game in the same sort of circumstances. So he meets a guy in bar, lures him back to the flats with the promise of a uh, of a drink, and he actually sort of promised sexual intercourse at this point. Okay. So he was like, "Hmm, come back to my place, and we can get, get saucy." Yeah. He tried to strangle him um, after again concerns of him leaving. Only the guy Andrew Ho. Um, escaped. So Andrew Ho escaped. He told police, but he didn't press charges, and uh, Nilsson was um, taken in and released after questioning. Okay. You'll sort of find that the police at at this sort of time, because, again, homosexuality was completely frowned upon, they sort of just brushed it under the carpet as a, oh, it's just homos being homos. Which is fucking ridiculous it is absolutely stupid but that well, was the they thought the time. That, that gay men killing gay men was just gay men being gay they, men well no, they it, had the mentality because i think we had a conversation or me and my dad had a conversation about like the 70s with like being gay and stuff and it was a case of if the police didn't have to deal with gay people then that's fine because oh, okay. the police wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth as such which oh, is I'm sure they, they did a lot of them like 90% of them did because they thought it was a sin and that it was disgusting and it it's amazing what they turned a blind eye to in this yeah. case as you as you will see but, but that was just one sort of incident but a lot of times I'll just brush it off because it was a way it sounds horrible to eradicate gay people I'm sure they I'm sure that's that's probably not the mindset they had but I'm, I'm sure they didn't particularly like gay people yeah. at that time or or think they should mm. be taken into society. But I'm so sorry. Yeah, it, it was just illegal, so it was sort of everybody was just not feeling it at that time. Mm. So two months later, uh, Nielsen was picked a, uh, picked up a Canadian tourist called Kenneth Ockerden, and he was twenty three. So they are pretty young then. Mm. Yes. And how old is he at this time? 
So uh, he would, see I tried to work this out, but my maths is absolutely terrible. So a calculator for that shit. Give yeah. It, yeah. So he was, bo he was born in 1945. And what's the year where he committed his first murder? So his first murder was, oh, he was arrested in 1983 and he'd been doing it for four years. So four previous. 79. 19. Uh, so, so he was um, 34. 1979. So 34, 34 when he was arrested. Yeah. So 34. So yeah, he liked the younger male. The thing is, guys, you might hear Steph's phone go, occasionally because she's super popular and the rest of us aren't well i say super popular <laughs> it's just instagram going hey you've got notifications yeah pretty much yeah so he's 34 he was 34 so two months later um yeah he picked up the canadian kenneth ockerden 23 he was a photographer and into rock music i mean i'm all about that yes and um, Kenneth left his hotel room uh, at 9, 10 a.m. that morning. So the hotel room that he was staying at because he was a tourist and touring England at that time. Where's this, sorry, is this down in London? It is in London, yeah. yeah. Nelson met Kenneth in a pub again. Um, and he also went, took him on a uh, tour of London too. All oh, right. Uh, so they went on a bit of a... I think it is kindly. Down. I think it is uh, Yeah, I think he's meant to be kindly because kindly. he's wooing these people. He's being he kind to them. And kindly doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say he's the kindly killer because he's kind to them up until the point of he's he is. scared that they're going to leave him and he does these yeah. horrific acts. So it's... I'm like 99.9% okay. .9 sure it's kindly, not kindly. <laughs> Well, Kindly isn't a word, I don't think. Well, it? I thought it was like a place, but then... Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, I get what you mean, but I, no, I think it's kindly. kindly. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever seen it written down, okay? <laughs> he left He, he left his hotel at 9-10am that morning. They went on a tour around London um, and they went to eat. And again, Nielsen promised um, sort of to come back to his flat um, for drink and promiscuity. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and Nielsen also cooked him something to eat as well so like you know it was it was did he actually lovely. did he did he say promiscuity no that was how that about was some drinks and some, some promiscuity promiscuity <laughs> if that doesn't sound saucy <laughs> while he's there rubbing his hands together mr burns style that's lovely <laughs> <laughs> sorry this, this is my terminology guys i'm not really like <laughs> adapted in that no, form. No. <laughs> you can actually just say he was kindly <laughs> he was Kind. <laughs> so after they had fumbled, yes, fumbled. Really? Yes. What else do you write? After they had a rough and tumble. After they fumbled. Fumbled. After they fumbled. That's yes. very tame. After they had sex. Hello, I'm Steph. Have we met before? After they <laughs> touched each other's secret areas. <laughs> oh, That's exactly you how you're selling it. Oh, you kindly man, you. Oh. Can you imagine that pickup line in a bar? Like, may I touch your secret area? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I can see it now. <laughs> um... <laughs> That would be that, that, that whole pickup line is never going to work. So. <laughs> so, after they had fumbled, um, Kenneth explained um, he was leaving to go back to Canada the next day. Obviously, that rose up a bit of a red flag because Dennis, Dennis Nilsson doesn't like being left. And that does become very clear in the next episode, but for now, he just doesn't like being left. That basically sort of made him feel 
less in control of the situation because it's not what Nilsson wanted from that relationship. He didn't want him to leave. So he felt really kind of out of control as to what was happening. After they were listening to some music through some headphones, Nilsson then took the cord from the headphones, wrapped it around Kenneth's neck and then strangled him to death. Now, uh, Nelson kept the, his body again to talk to and watch TV with him. So oh. he propped him up and they watched TV together, which was interesting. So yeah, he's, he's he's quite kind. I mean, if only he was that kind before death. I mean, that would have been well, no, lovely. No, if he just didn't kill people, that would be even kinder. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the next one was May 17th, 1980. And this was a chap called Martin Duffy. He was a 16-year-old runaway from Birkenhead. So he was really young. He had no immediate family looking for him. Um, he was one of the only four victims that Nilsson could really fully remember the the incident with. All the rest of them, he was sort of like, well, other than these four, he was sort of like, I wasn't entirely sure what happened. He kind of came to the conclusion like he did with the first one. He just woke up and was like, oh, they're dead. That must have been me. But with this one, he recalled this one and was able to give a full account as to yeah. what was happening. Uh, and he remembered his name as well. So, um, yeah. He was homeless, so uh, Nilsson invited him to his home to stay. He wasn't necessarily gay. He, he didn't. There's no uh, research that I came across that he was that he was gay himself. Nilsson just kind of took advantage of the situation and was like, "Look, you're homeless. I have a bed." He was desperate. Yeah, he was. He was homeless, so like he he was he was all over it. Nelson again met him in the pub, sort of situation. Invited him back home, and then strangled him, and then drowned him in the kitchen sink. He bathed the body, but he also got in the bath with this chappy. So they they had a shared bath. Uh... Wait, he was already dead at this. Yes, yeah, he was already dead. So he strangled him, he drowned him in the kitchen sink, and then bathed the body as they had a bath together. Ah, oh, right. Okay. So yeah, interesting chappy. Ah. Uh... It was really horrible because Martin was actually trying to turn his life around at the time. He was just trying to sort of get his life sorted and sort of get a house and, you know, become less homeless and, and what what have you. So he kind of, uh, Dennis Nilsson really kind of intervened at the wrong sort of time, which I yeah. thought was heartbreaking. And then again, Duffrey was kept in the cupboard for two weeks and then was moved to under the floorboards. Why he has a thing for the floorboards, yeah. doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, floorboards. Floorboards. The floorboards. <laughs> no, I was he, about to say that as well. He it's definitely seems... has a, a favourite hiding spot for yes. these bodies, doesn't he? He runs out of room in the end, so... Oh, really? Oh, oh right. Maybe, I wonder... But I thought you said that one of the, the previous ones he took out and burned and then yes yeah 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 yeah. so oh, he, he wasn't doing that with everybody that wasn't was just... doing that with everybody oh, right, okay. he took so he's he kept some as sort of like trophies but not also that he was sort of looking for somebody to talk to it just he just comes across as really lonely really desperate yeah introverted and was just really looking for some in my head though attention. i'm kind of like is john wayne gacy being caught at this time because that's very much a john wayne gacy thing isn't it hiding the floor like the bodies under the floor I think there were different circumstances though, because he sort of, even though he was predatory, predatory on the on the sort of younger generation, it wasn't sort of. Um, this seems to be very sexually led, as well as wanting a, a partner and sort yeah. of. Yeah, no, I mean like the floorboard thing. I wonder oh. if he'd maybe cotton that from another case that, for example, John Wayne Gacy, or if it was just something that he needed to do to keep them close. Yeah, I think it was just sort of a circumstance thing because he wanted them close and uh, he didn't want them to leave. Like he he. 
he, he, he said to them he, he, he didn't want that from the relationship. He did, he, that's when he sort of flipped in these situations is when they were like, I need to go. Yeah. Well, they sort of literally become sort of the fabric of his home and uh, yeah. they can never leave. It's, uh... That's it, exactly. They are there eternally. A bit why and Dharma ate his victims. And it's really weird because he said in a police interview actually later on down the line that he still feels a, a spiritual connection with all of his victims. So he still feels their presence around him. Like, like Dharma used to. That's why Dharma ate his victims for, wasn't it? So he could feel the feel. connection to them. That's it. And it's really interesting. It's kind of, it's sort of like one of those sorts of situations where it was, it's sweet, but in a really sadistic and horrible way. Hmm. I mean, I, I mean, everybody wants to be loved, but there yeah. are certain aspects that you kind of... You don't need to In the words of Meatloaf, <laughs> I will do anything for love, but, but I, I won't, won't do, do that. that. <laughs> Good, good reference. Oh, no, that I was a good know. rock music reference, considering his well, well previous victim in. liked rock music. There we go. See, I thought yeah, let's throw that in there. <laughs> so his next victim, William Billy Sutherland, who was 27. Billy was a male sex worker. Nilsson wasn't interested in him at first. Because um, he was too old, I imagine. He's a tough he was the oldest. did you say he was, sorry? 27. Okay. The he next was... one was, Dan was, what, 23 years old? So the other one was... 16, so yeah, the, one, one, the one before that, I mean. Yeah, so we've got a 20, 28, oh, so he right. wasn't the oldest. Sorry, I thought he was the oldest. Okay. No, 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 but he's definitely, he's at the higher end of the bracket of what he goes for. Yeah. He was a, yeah, a male sex worker, um, but after they went on a pub crawl in August 1980, Nilsson brought Sutherland back to his home where he barely remembers strangling him, quote, and it was later discovered that he was strangled by Nilsson's bare hand. So he was getting, like, full-on into it. He was going it. from ligature strangulation to, yeah. like, manual strangulation. Yeah, so... There's a difference in the psychology of using both, is Yeah, there? absolutely. And I will get into the psychology of it. I've got, like, a whole page on <laughs> strangulation psychology and the, the ins and outs and the details of that, but I'll save that for you, that, that beautiful nugget for next time. So is that where we're leaving? No, 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 no. She's still got more oh, victims. Sorry, yeah, she, more don't forget, she said there was, what, 15? Yeah, victims? and we're only on four. <laughs> oh. oh, so strap in, guys. Yeah, strap in. So this is where it's sort of, obviously, the bare hands, it sort of feels like it's escalating and he's getting more more personal. Victim five. See, this is really sad. Victim five was never identified. Um, oh. it, it was just known he was another male sex worker um, who was lured to Nilsson's home. Same sort of MO. All that is known about this victim, he, he was probably a Filipino or Thai orientation. This info was, um, was loosely called by Nielsen as he was questioned by police and that's all that's known about victim 5. Oh they never found his body? No, nothing. No, we just admitted to doing this murder, yeah. there's no trace of it. This is it a lot of his victims, a lot of these sort of timelines and whatnot. these are all just his <coughs> recollections of what he's sort of admitted to in interviews and stuff like that But I thought, I thought one of his main things was that he couldn't recall a lot of these murders that's it. Yeah. So he 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 didn't he couldn't recall anything other than the oh, Filipino right, okay. Thai thing. He okay. knows he knows that he's done something, but he doesn't know how, why, what happened, yeah. or what happened after. Is it not possible though that he made some of these up for like an notoriety? Yeah. There was there was something that I read actually on one article that I was reading where he was accused of over elaborating. But this fifteen, this list of fifteen is what they are saying. They are that a problem. Probable. Like, the 100% probable he could yeah. have done it. So, like, right. some of them, like, uh, they corresponded to missing persons um, ads at the time, and, yeah. you know, it was probable. Nothing 
Solidly concrete, probable. Okay. okay. Victim six. Again, all, all Nelson could remember of this killing was that his victim was a young Irish labourer who he had met in a bar. So he seems to be picking up a lot of people in a lot of bars. So if I was if I was like a bar person at this sort of time, I'd be sort of like, oh, you're back again, are you? You yeah. left with somebody yesterday, kind of thing. I probably just thought he was a bit of a player. Yeah, but like, Maybe. if you had a if you if you saw Dennis, you've seen his picture. But back in the seventies, that might have been a lot. Yeah, those those. Uh, what they call glass uh, milk bottle glasses. Milk bottle glasses. Yeah. yeah. They're all the rage. Back in the seventies, yeah. Okay. Even the eighties they were still pretty popular. I don't think he's a bad looking chap by any Oh no 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 no. But like I would be suspicious of somebody like coming in regularly to pick up people I would regularly. I worked in a bar. Especially I gay bar. I mean what's the best way of saying it? I mean bars anyway have like uh, or certain bars, not just gay bars, but they're kind of like pickup places, aren't they? Yeah. Anyway, so and I, I must admit, so like, um, so so I'm gay, guys. Yay! Um, I must admit, <laughs> that's uh, a good way to announce it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Woo! the pride banner right now. Woo, jazz hands. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and now she's uncomfortable. Well, so yeah, like, let's. <laughs> no, so like you, you, you find you can't. It's 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 harder to sort of pick up who's gay and who's not. So like you tend to find that like a lot of um, like queer folk go to gay bars to pick up people because it's the only place that you can be solidly sure. Yeah, that's you, the person yeah you're that playing you're, you're playing the averages a lot higher at a gay yeah, bar, aren't you? Obviously. That's it yeah. exactly. So I kind of understand it on that sort of front. But I've never met somebody that sort of to this degree. I don't know. Maybe it's me. I think you've been quite lucky then because when I worked as a barmaid. You you would regularly see every week the same guy come in and pull a lady or the really? same woman come in no. and pull a guy. I had, I had friends whose yeah. who's sport every week was to, to pick up a Find lady and new. Yeah. Yeah, take her home and, and, then, and yeah, so uh, it's, it is be quite promiscuous regular. with them. <laughs> did they have a fumble? I was going to say, and they fumbled and then the lady would leave or the gent would leave the next morning. But yeah, that's... Like walk of shame. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. That's quite often, and that's quite normal. I think that's quite normal. Yeah. I, I wouldn't no. say that's anything. The standard murder ish. side of it—that's not normal. <laughs> if but... these were all taking place within like a month or something, maybe that would be slightly yeah, yeah. Normal, because they're, they're spread out. Yeah, four years. So okay, all right, fair enough. Yeah, that was all known about victim six. Victim seven. Uh, again, all Nelson could remember about this victim was that he was um, a, a a starving hippie type that was sleeping in the doorway of Cherry. Cross in London. Charing. Charing, Charing. Charing Cross. Charing. I was thinking like Charizard. No, Charing Cross. There you go. Thank London you. Heritage. You yeah. Know, bring whoop, it whoop. In. <laughs> Represent. <laughs> <laughs> Victim eight again. Nielsen couldn't recall a thing about this murder other than it happened. Okay. Yeah, it was just so vague. It was it was unreal. It was it's really interesting on what victims he picked up on the solid details about and which ones he just completely just didn't even. It was like some of them were like impulses, and whilst others were, he wanted the connection. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess you had to go into the psychology why he couldn't remember yeah. these yeah. things. But... I mean, he a lot. Of of it as well was sort of like he wanted power over the situation and you hear a lot about like serial killers that they maintain the power by not disclosing all of the details because yeah. that's essentially all they've got left yeah when they've when they've been arrested so that could be an issue of that sort of thing yeah. as well victims nine and ten both young scottish men picked up in a pub in soho that's it victim nine and ten picked okay. up in a pub victim 11 so this is 
is where he starts getting back into the sort of um, notions of what who they were and whatnot. So victim 11 was a skinhead who Nielsen picked up in uh, at Piccadilly Circus who had a tattoo on his neck saying cut here. So like the usual sort of skinhead tattoo skinhead tattoo absolutely he boasted how strong he was but Nilsson obviously had to sort of disprove that but after having a few drinks and inviting him back to Nilsson's place uh, Nilsson killed him again um, and hung his naked body in the flat for 24 hours before placing him under the floorboards so he had him on display for 24 hours so he didn't even he wasn't kindly with this one it was no. more of a no I'm better I'm dominant yeah. than you you'll find as, like the more we go into the victims but they his just, kind yeah. nature is sort of disappearing maybe. he's putting less effort into to, to maybe um, that's it securing his victims he's yep. he's pretty much going pretty animalistically into to Offering them sex and then killing them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There's no sort of like personalisation in it. There's no. Uh, they're just getting more and more brutal. He's just becoming a little bit out of hand, only a little bit. He's probably becoming more confident as well by this point. Killing. Yeah. Where's well, his victim? Eleven. I mean, he's he's killed ten people and got away with it. So I'd imagine he's becoming more and more confident with his his That's methods. It. But this is also his downfall as well because this is where he starts becoming sloppy. He starts becoming. Uh, there's just more uh, trace evidence as to what he's been doing and how he got caught. So um, whilst he was gaining in confidence, he was also losing the the upper hand on the whole secrecy Nick, game. Nick, I think, just gave the perfect analogy of it. He got more animalistic, and yeah. animals don't really care about leaving a mess. They just go in for the kill, don't they? Yeah, yeah. He was full on predator in it. Predator in it. Yeah, it's like new technical term. <laughs> <laughs> So at some point between uh, victims 6 and 11 in November 1980, a potential victim of Nelson's uh, woke up in the middle of the night uh, to be strangled. He fought um, off Nelson and ran out the door to uh, call the police. The police took it no further, and this is where it kind of comes into the whole homosexuality thing. They took it no further and was seen, and it, the, uh, it was just seen as another a homosexual domestic dispute even though he came up to them and was like, this guy tried to strangle me. It was like, oh no, it's just homos being homos. Yeah. Which is obviously quite horrible. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was completely brushed under the floorboards. Ironically. Oh. oh. I didn't mean to do that. But... That was good though. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. I'll, I'll give you that one. That one can stay in. <laughs> yeah. Victim 12 was Malcolm Barlow. He was murdered on 18th of September, 1981. The night before, Nielsen found him in a doorway not looking too sprightly. So he was like... He was in... Full homeless. Yeah, he wasn't in the best of conditions. Yeah. Nilsson called for an ambulance. So this guy went to hospital. Like, he, he didn't see him that night. He just went to hospital and got better, I suppose. And this is really sad. When uh, Malcolm was released from hospital the next day, he went round to Nilsson's flat to say thank you for calling the ambulance. Oh, so he was kindly. Yeah, so he was kindly. Um, so then Nielsen invited him in for drinks and food and was murdered that night. He shouldn't have said thank you. <laughs> as, as my favourite murder says, fuck politeness. <laughs> Nielsen moved into a new house in October 1981 into um, Muswell Hill. Muswell? Yep. Muswell? Muswell? How do you spell the net? M-U-S-Well. Yeah, Muswell Hill. Muswell, Muswell Hill, Hill. Yeah. yeah. Nielsen picked up a student from a pub in Soho and invited him back to his new home. The student woke up in the morning um, after having drinks. Um, um, with no recollection of the night before. He later went down to the doctors uh, because of bruising that had appeared on, that had appeared around his neck. So the doctor had a look um, and he said that it looks like he's been strangled. There was marks around his neck and so it was like, you look like you've 
somebody's just tried to kill you. The marks, he went to the police, only uh, he decided that he didn't want to reveal his sexuality, and so he didn't really go through with it. Oh, so he didn't press charges because he didn't want to out himself as such. Yes, he didn't want to come out as as gay, essentially. Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Given the climate, I suppose. That's it, exactly. Following this attempted murder, um, Nilsson picked up a chap called Carl Stutter in Camden. Now, he got away, and I have a full profile sort of account as to what actually happened to him, because he has done plenty of interviews where he's sort of given the whole account of that whole night. So yeah. this really gives an insight as to what what the situation was at that time, because this is obviously like deep into Nilsson's killing spree, so he got a repetitive flow at this point. Yeah. So Carl Stutter's account actually really gives a really nice insight as to what happened on those nights. From the victim's From the victim's point of view, absolutely. So Carl Stutter's recollection of the night was he was um, uh, they were at a bar, they got talking. He seemed like a nice guy. They got talking about Carl's ex and how he wasn't really a nice chap. Nilsson couldn't believe that somebody would do the things that his ex was doing uh, or the things that he had disclosed to him. I couldn't, I couldn't find anything as to why he was disclosed, but his ex just didn't seem a very nice person. And uh, Nilsson was sort of sympathetic in that. He was like, that you, you can't do that kind of thing. Yeah. And there was an attraction. So from, from Carl's recollection, he felt an attraction towards Nilsson. He invited, uh, Nilsson invited him back to uh, to his new flat at the time. They had drinks and were listening to, uh, to music through the headphones again. He recalls there being an odd smell, but he put it down to uh, the old building or the doggy smell that uh, Nilsson had from his dog. He had a pet dog. Okay. And he just put it down to a doggy smell and it was nothing too bothering. Obviously, that smell now transpires to be the smell of rotting corpses. Rotting corpses, <laughs> but he didn't find it too bothering at the time. Okay, so they were fresh rotting corpses then, instead of proper decomposed. Well, some of them are old, some of them are new. True. Like it's a long killing spree. Nilsson was pouring them both large Bacardis. Then Nilsson eerily appeared. Uh, so you know, as you're like sort of in a drunken haze and you're not really, you kind of zoom in and out of situations. Yeah. So he was going through that stage of like being drunk and. Zoom out of situations and he sort of says that like one minute Nielsen was sort of sitting and they were listening and it was having a beautiful moment and then all of a sudden Nielsen was right behind him in that kind of like like blank expression yeah. like hello kind of it's thing like, what are you doing there? yeah and he was surprised at this he was just like I didn't expect you to be there after um, sort of they dis- they were drunk Nielsen put Carl to bed he warned him about the zipper that was on the sleeping bag that was opened out on the bed as like a, a duvet so he had a full on open sleeping bag to use as a duvet and Nilsson warned him about the zipper that was on the sleeping bag that it was opened up um, and he warned him not to get caught up in it okay Carl then woke up to uh, the zipper around his neck of course he tried to pull the zipper away from his hands but as he was trying to source the location of like the tension because obviously he could feel it pulling from somewhere yeah he followed the cord up and then eventually felt Nilsson's hands at the end of the, 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 the zipper tie oh god at first, he thought that um, um, Nilsson was trying to release him. He was. He, he thought he was trying to get him out of that situation. Help, yeah. But it wasn't until that he fell on the floor unconscious that he realised that Nilsson was pulling harder. Oh. Carl woke up uh, again after being um, uh, after he was unconscious. He woke up um, to being in a bath of cold water when Nilsson tried to drown him. He bobbed up to, um, to the service three times, but Nilsson kept pushing him back down. And he he said at that time um, all 
all that was going through his head was this man is trying to kill me, I'm dying. Can you imagine that? Like, it's your last, what potentially is your last thought. Yeah, it's like I'm being killed here. Like, yeah. it's, mm. oh. I'm trying to stop, but I can't. Yeah, it's, it was, that was like bone shivering. Eerie. Nelson lifted Carl up and lay him on the floor. It wasn't until his dog started licking Carl's face that he realised that he was still alive. Good poochie. Yeah, he was still alive. He was still alive and kicking. Good poochie. Yeah. Uh, to which Nelson actually revived him because there was no more room left for his body in the house. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So instead of like killing him and getting it out like having this body he thought I will revive him let him go and let him go because I've got no more room that's a very specific problem when you, you yeah. you've yeah. run out of room for more bodies in your, your house yeah. yeah so you have to revive one of your victims <laughs> yeah that's um I mean it's it's good it's good it, that he's, he, I mean, he survived yeah but but <coughs> you ran out of room. It's a, it's a niche problem. It's yeah, niche I, don't, problem. I don't think many people would ever have that problem. Maybe books on the bookshelf, maybe, mm. but not bodies in the floorboards. Yeah, it's it's very very specific. Yeah. Did he not use the loft? <coughs> it was a flat. It was a flat. Oh, was it flat? It was okay. a flat. Yeah, there was there none of them. Okay. Carl, unfortunately, had no memory of what happened. Like he couldn't recall at the time what was happening. So Nelson filled in with a story. His story, according to Nelson, was he got caught up in the zip- zipper of the fleep- sleeping bag as he had warned. He was in the water because he was uh, he was trying to bring him round from the the shock that he was in. He was like, I need to put you in a cold bath because you're in shock. Apparently, Carl was like, you don't treat shock with a cold bath but you know what I thought he was being kind yeah. <laughs> um, back to the kindly back to the kindly well, he's, he's still retaining that aspect of his, his behaviour isn't he somewhat yeah, somewhat um, he offered to walk Carl back home and then they ended up walking seven miles <laughs> including through woods where he now looks back at that moment as if uh, a, he thought that Nelson would have finished him off but if it wasn't for like a passing dog walker then he thought that that moment would have been it that yeah. would have been finished Carl didn't go to police at the time because um, he believed that he believed Nelson's story and he had no memory of what the event is happened on that sort of night and it was only until recent flashbacks um that he actually remembered what was happening okay. so he remembered too late after the the sort of inquiry and whatnot so yeah inquiry yeah, yeah. which i suppose you push that to the back of your, like traumatic events to the back of your brain don't you repressed memories and stuff yeah and that's what psychologists sort of said at the time it was sort of like it was a case of it was so traumatic that he tried to block it out of his yeah. of his memory yeah victim 13 John Howlett was the first to be murdered um, in his oh sorry in his home in 1981 whose home Nielsen's Nielsen's new home new so home. his um, when he moved to Muswell Hill Oh yeah, because he did cast, but he didn't kill cast. Oh, right. Yes, he but didn't I, kill. So he took all the bodies with him to his new home. No, he left them all in in. in... But Carl said he smelt under the floorboards. Yeah. So he must have taken them, right? No, Carl. Carl was in his old house. Carl was in his old house. Sorry. Oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. And my then bad. he moved. And then he moved, and then victim thirteen came. So in. does it? Does he say what he did with all the bodies from the old house? No, didn't. There's nothing as far as did the the police must have dug it up surely and I couldn't I couldn't find anything that was sort of like they found all of the remains and whatnot from that house but obviously there was still something there because there were, there must have been something there for Carl to to smell oh I've just had a thought sorry what he had a dog right he did have a dog what did dogs eat I don't think there was I a... doubt he would have fed 
that many. It would have been a quite yeah. cubby dog. Yeah, and he did do bonfires as well at this point. So, <clears throat> so okay. there was there was some like disposal of that sort of yeah. degree. So yeah, John Howlett was first to be murdered in his new home in December 1981. Howlett um, fought back uh, when he was attacked. Um, he really tried. He tried to strangle Nilsson himself, um, but after a great struggle, uh, Nilsson Nilsson kind of came to the decision that I don't like him, so he must die. Uh, he held John Howlett under the bathwater for for five minutes, but um, after he was interesting because this is again where it sort of escalated further as this was the first victim that he disemboweled no 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 dismembered dismembered and have his body parts flushed and stashed around uh, the new home he also started um, this is where he started with the uh, flesh boiling as well so he put these limbs in boiling pots and let them simmer so that their flesh would just naturally so he was going fully Dharma full on full on Dharma full on and obviously it made it easier to be flushed as well so yeah Um, and, and again, he flushed them down the toilet, which is where it kind of collected in the drain. Victim 14. I wonder how long it would take to flush an entire human body. I'm going to boil that out. <laughs> He's got to boil them all separately, and some of the parts were stashed around the place. I'm going to work that out for the next episode, how long it would take to flush a human body down a toilet. <gasps> I suppose it depends on how many pieces you cut it into. Well, yeah, so you have to do them in manageable pieces. But I'm going to find that out. That's a, okay. a task for me. That would be interesting. It's a bit of a weird task, but okay. I like sure. it, though. I like it. There's a, that's a piece of information I need to know. Yeah. Victim 14, Graham Allen, who was 28. He was already a missing person. He was already on the missing person list at that time. Um, and he met Nielsen in West End of London. He went back with Nielsen to his place and was murdered that night. Same sorts of situations. Uh, Nilsson left Graham in the bath as he was unsure how to get rid of the body. So after three <clears> days, <throat> so three days of just him sitting in the bath, Nilsson disem- uh, dis- dismembered him and again disposed of the body similarly to John Howlett. So dismembering him and flushing him down the toilet. That's really gross. It is really gross, isn't it? Victim 15. It's not something I've ever heard of before, actually. No, a a murderer flushing, cutting his victims up and flushing them down the toilet. You obviously right? hear of murderers cutting people up. And, yeah. the and chucking them in like weighted bags in lakes yeah. and stuff and things. Yeah. But no, down yeah, the toilet. toilet. Yeah. It was really gross. But so um, um, they um, there's pictures floating around. I couldn't pinpoint as to whose body part this actually was, but there's pictures where there's a, a head sort of simmering in a, not post- a boiling pot. No, 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 no. no, no those be- will not be posted up on <laughs> social media. If no. you feel the need to go search for that yourself. They are on the internet. I think Instagram would be fine. No, no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> no. not putting my... Like, no. It's a boiled head. It doesn't look <laughs> blazing. No. It's a bit gross. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, last victim, victim 15, Stephen S- Stephen Sinclair, 20. He was a drug addict and was jobless and homeless, murdered a week before Nielsen's arrest. So this was literally his last one, was the one that led up to his, his arrest. Okay. They met in Oxford Street and Sinclair managed to scrounge a burger from Nielsen, um, who then suggested they go back to his place, the usual sort of thing. Yeah. Food, wine, promiscuity. Yeah, that's the one. Quick fumble. <laughs> All of that. After dropping um, uh, dropping into an alcohol and heroin-induced stupor, so that was um, Sinclair, Nilsson strangled and dismembered um, the body and flushed them yet again. <clears throat> it was Steph- It was Stefan's remains that blocked the drains in the in the garden. So it was his remains that sort of was the nail in the coffin at that point. I'm not going to lie. Any time that somebody says, oh, our st- sewage is blocked now, I'm going to be like, 
There's a dead body. See, I was thinking that. I was, I've been thinking that for absolutely ages because I've known about this case for ages. It's so bizarre that you've not heard about no, it. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Heard of it. It's super oh, interesting. There you go. It's a really good one. So on the 5th of February 1983, Mike Catron was called out to the property. He was a, a, a plumbing guy. A plumber. A pl- plumber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 plumbing that, man. The plumbing man. Plumbing guy. You know that thing that Mario is? Um, a video game. A Pipey a Fix Fix. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, of course he is. Oh. A Piper Fix Fix. Pipey oh, Fixer. Pipey Fixer. Yeah. Okay. Plumber. <laughs> All of the job titles. Yeah. <laughs> so he was called out to the property uh, to unblock the remains, but um, he was disturbed by the skeletal remains that he had found. So I'm going to go into the what he found in these uh, in in the drains, and then we'll end it there. But on a cliffhanger, good cliffhanger. on a cliffhanger, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they could only identify in these drains six separate skeletal remains in the drain. These were identified by the six lower bone fragments uh, of the arm, of the lower arm. So, so he must have he must have taken previous victims to this new house because he only killed what three people or attempted four. Yeah. So he. Like, Killed so three, but attempted four at this place, so he must have taken some remains must with him. Stuff. For them to find six down this drain. Yeah, absolutely. There's a bit of logic there for you. That's what so, I'm here for. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So, because they had only found um, the evidence of these of these six six different people, he was only charged with six murders. Oh. Yeah, because that's all the, that's all the evidence that they could find. So Yeah, it's very hard to charge with no bodies. That's it? it. But the pathologists identified uh, that the cause of death uh, was by a ligature, uh, was done by strangulation. Ligature because strangulation. Yeah, because... Uh, because one of the fragments that they sent off to pathology was um, was a neck bone. So they saw the kind of ligature uh, mark that was sort of in the neck bone. So the they fractures, could, basically. yes, the fracture, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh. they they could see the the amount of force that was taken to kill these chaps. I know, it, and because they're blokes, I don't know guys have like more upper body strength <clears> than women do. Yeah, but. It, well, it depends on the, the but, chap, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But male necks are generally thicker average. Yeah, average, than women, like, women's necks, mm-hmm. so that's yeah. got to take some force. Yeah, but mm-hmm. these were young men as well. These were younger than Nielsen, so... Yeah, but let's, for example, say Nick's only, what, 32. Look how thick Don't put my... Don't... <laughs> oh, I'm, stop being Don't weird. Don't age... age uh, what's it called? Age triangulation. No, what's it called? I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. Really. It's, but his neck is quite thick compared to... Somebody else, like me, for example, who is age 30, the neck, it's not that much difference than what yours at 26 is. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you give everybody's age out in that one, like, yeah, I know. I'm not just gonna just do Nick and like me, you're getting it as well. Shoulders 42. Fuck off, I'm 30. (laughs) 30. She's 65. You're just adding them now with five years' anniversary of her 65th birthday. Yeah. Times ten. <laughs> she she is actually thirty, but she looks in her seventies. <laughs> Just soul crushing. That <laughs> is soul crushing. Put that bit up. Let's carry on. Let's carry You're on before there is a murder lady. on this. Pa- you guys will be witness to crimes, creeps, and coffee's first ever murder. <laughs> carry on, Stephanie. Okay. <laughs> okay. You ain't shamed us. No, I didn't. I I ain't shamed you. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. Okay. The rest were uh, just sort of um, identified by Nielsen's admission um, during the questioning. But on the 4th of November 1983, Nielsen was arrested. 
Smooch's dirt. Yeah, he was arrested. Yeah. And again, the exact number of um, how many he killed is blurred, but um, it's all a kind of a case of allegedly, and seven people actually got away, so seven attempted oh, murders. Yeah. But again, a lot of them sort of just kept in the closet because it was a sort of, it was a homosexual, uh, or it was... Um, it was obviously a lot of um, there was a lot of shame sort of filled in those sort of things so a lot of people just didn't jump forward it sounds like the police wouldn't have taken it properly yes absolutely and I've actually written down something here so um, I actually had uh, this is a quote from one of the um, from one of the um, police officers yeah from one of the police officers Um, they said they, they don't really kind of take seriously the the situation of drunk homosexuals coming into the station in early hours of this morning of of, of the morning so they just weren't taken seriously because yeah. again it was just sort of seen as a an elaborate gay thing homos will be homos homos will be homos yeah. yeah which is sad I do love that phrase but not in this context not in this context so it's, so we're leaving it there it's yeah. a good, good place to leave it I mean it's going to be yeah. interesting to there's, there's a lot of things to to pick apart I mean he's he's got Absolutely. certain obsessions yes. There's some very interesting, um, just usual, um, his kind of preferences, his usual, what he does, the whole emotion that's attached to those, um, his actions. So yeah, he's an interesting chap. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to the next part. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, part two next episode, guys. Yeah. So like I said before, Nick's going to be giving us some UFO information, but well, he says, I say It's a lecture. It's, he's giving us a lecture. (laughs) It's a lecture. So I've prepared something for this. He has extensively. And if you get bored of this, just skip. It's fine. It's fine. We, you won't. It's the most exciting part. It's going to be <laughs> he, 20 he, minutes he spent, like, of mathematical-based fun. He wow, did actually you, spend you, this while I was reading last night. He was then doing this on the whiteboard. So Don't, wow. say, don't say that. That was going to be a big reveal. Oh. Could that bit out? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So okay. we'll see you in the next bit. Right, UFO news, but it's not a UFO news this week. So what I'm going to do is we're going to have a discussion. Wait, let me get the thing first. I've done this. Yeah, so I'm I've, excited I've about this. I've prepared a whiteboard. Literally, we'll yeah. post photos up on social because this shit... Oh, from- my gosh. Sheldon Cooper to the max. Wow. Okay. That's that's preparation and a half. Yeah, we'll put it there. And also, I've got a stick. <laughs> You've so, got a pointer. I've got a pointing stick. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> Right. The, the legs you go through for, for education. That is cool as hell. Okay. Okay, so, right. So what we're talking about today, we're going to discuss, first of all, how bloody hot it is in England at the minute. It's unbearable. It, it is. is. We are stupidly hot. sweltering. Being part Eastern European, I'm not genetically made for this kind of shit. Being British, no. I'm not made for this shit. Apparently we're hotter than Barbados right now. I mean, that's saying something, really. Yeah. It's literally, it, if you hear that we sound like we're dying, it's because we are sweating out all of the water that is in our body. And... <laughs> we're slowly becoming raisins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hence why apparently I look like I'm 70. <laughs> Bring it back to that. <laughs> so for today's, for today's lecture, we're going to discuss how many alien civilizations might there be in our galaxy and in the universe. Can I not just okay. say a lot and that be an So well, let's start. Do you, do you believe that there are alien civilizations out there zooming around? Yes. 
Yeah, there's got to be something. Got to be. It's, there has to be. Has to be. I mean, like the universe, galaxies, Milky Way, Chocolate Bar, whatever is that vast and that wide that we cannot be the only intelligent. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But there. you're both completely right, and at the same time, completely wrong. You can paradoxically be right and wrong, and we're going to explain why like today. Schrodinger's cat. No. What? Kind of, no. No, not at all. So today we're going to cover the Drake equation, which is very important, the Kardashev scale, and the Fermi paradox. So, but first, before we do that, we're going to discuss how big is things that I've put at the top of the board Instead there. Of how big is things? things. So the universe, the, you know, we're used to being humans, we're used to being, well, we're quite small, so we're not really yeah. used to big things. So people go to the Grand Canyon and think, well, that's pretty big. <laughs> that's like nothing. Like, that's minuscule. We're just not... We can conceptualise big things, but we can't visualise big yeah. things. So the universe is 13.8 billion years old. It's an ever-expanding... What were you about to interrupt with then? Do uh, your song. <laughs> I like how you know. The universe is in a hot dead state when 14 billion years ago expansion started. Wait, the earth began to cool, the outer trucks began to form, the end of developed tools, we broke the walls, we, we built the pyramids, math, science, history... That's all in a mystery that all started with a big bang! Bang! What's that from? Who's in the title? Oh, the big... Bang bang theory, theory. I've never seen it was it. written by the bare naked ladies. Okay, fair enough. But carry on. Right, so <laughs> we're in an ever-expanding bubble of space and time that's existed for 13.8 billion years old. And currently, we think it's about 8.8 .8 times 10 to the power 23 kilometres wide, currently. Now, that doesn't sound too big when it's written like that, but the speed of light is 299,792,458 metres per second, and to travel the entire length, the diameter of the universe, would take you 93 billion years at that speed. Why? So that's fairly big. Okay, that puts That is very, very big. So, it's a house. I so, mean, <laughs> it's a big place. It's a big place, and it's getting bigger constantly. Would that technically be like an ant walking from one side of a house to the other side of the house? No. <laughs> the ant in the house is the galaxy, and this is the whole galaxy, like the whole. No, this is this is the universe. This is not our galaxy yet. We'll get on to that. This is okay. every. This is everything. Okay. No, it'd be much, 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 much like smaller. It doesn't even compare to anything we can really visualize. How yeah. big it is. So there's between 100 billion and to 200 billion galaxies in the entire universe that we can see. So a range is conservatively 100 million. <laughs> yeah. And stars within those galaxies in the entire universe is a 1 followed by 21 zeros. Anybody want to take a guess at that number? No, um, I don't math. The biggest one I know is billion. And... No, 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 trillion. <gasps> trillion. Trillion, put them together. Trillion, billion, billion, trillion? Billion, trillion. trillion. Ah. We think there's around a billion trillion stars within our universe. So our Milky Way, this little nice little drawing I've done, I realise this done. isn't a visual medium, so you can't see my little drawing until, unless you've got on the social media. Like so we're on the outer arm of the, the Milky Way galaxy, just pottering about through space. So our galaxy is 13.51 billion years old, which is, yeah, it's a fairly old I mean, galaxy. Yeah. yeah, but it's still relatively a baby. And it's tiny. It's only 100... 5,700 light years across, oh, which no is tiny, minuscule, compared to the complete size of the universe. Yeah, I thought we were a little bit bigger than that. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, so the Earth, the Earth, the planet we live on, obviously, here, <laughs> that place. is only 4.5 billion years old, and our Sun's 4.6 billion years old. So, so it's only made a billion years before Earth? What was? Sun? No, mm -hmm. the Earth is 4.5, the Sun is 4.6, so it's 100 million years.
years. The, oh, the okay. sun. I told you I don't math. The sun <laughs> formed a hundred million years a, before the Earth. I can just hear your cogs turning. You can see what I'm getting <laughs> at there, right? I can see what so you're the point there. is going through this: the universe is a big, big fucking <laughs> place. So this is how do you figure out how many civilizations might be out there in this big, big, big place? Well, this is it. We've not we've not really discovered anywhere. Like in like you outside divide of our gallery. You what? You divide it. Are you trying to say everything can be solved with the maths equation? Yeah. Well, it, it sort of can. Uh, it so can as long as you know the, the, the variables. Yeah. So, oh. but this brings us to the Drake equation, and it's not made by the rap singer that all the kids like. Oh. So it's by Frank Drake in 1961. <laughs> and it's a probabilistic equation to try and figure out how many civilizations there might be in this vast sea of planets and stars. So the equation is n equals r times f sub p times n sub e times f sub l times f sub i times f sub c by l. Okay. I mean, if you guys could see my face right now, my face is hurting because of how much I'm scratching. Well, I'm going to explain. <laughs> I'm going to explain yeah, what this thing is. N is the number of civilizations that are in the galaxy that we could communicate with. Okay. So we're aware of one. Well, us. Ourselves. Yes, yeah. ourselves. Yeah. So R is the rate that uh, stars form in the in a galaxy, and it's about okay. three a year. That's okay. best guess. FP is the amount of the fraction of those stars that have planets. N is the number of those planets that could support life. Oh, okay. F uh, L is the fraction of planets that those uh, the life could develop on. Fi is the fraction of planets that intelligent life could uh, develop on. Fc is the fraction of those planets where has life that could communicate with other people outside of their planet. And L is the longevity of a civilization. Okay, so it's kind of working it down from like the stars to the planet to what's on the planet to yeah. how those interact. You're whittling it down. Okay. You're whittling it down and times in those fractions. And then yeah, it's the best way we've got so far. There's been additions to this. Yeah. So far, I've got three. <laughs> so there's. The there's, it's the best way we know of so far, really, to try and... Uh, what's up, Steph? How the hell did you get three from letters? N is a one, that's us. Right. The rate of the stars, times by the rate of the stars, is three. But how do you know the rate of the stars is three? Because Nick says on oh, average it's three, it's three. three stars is okay. developed. Well, and then I lost track of the math, and <laughs> so I got to three. <laughs> so wow. this, this, this thing, so we know two of these numbers for sure. So we know three, because yeah. we know how quickly stars form in our galaxy. It's about okay. three solar masses per year. Right. So the amount of uh, fraction of those stars that have planets we think is one to one because we're finding them everywhere. Okay. We're looking at we're looking at different solar systems and we're finding them. It's Every single star seems to have planets. Okay. So we know three and one. The other ones we have no fucking clue really. <laughs> we can awesome. take guesses. You can take a mediocrity principle guess right. which is where you think that life is mediocre for life to develop in the universe and then therefore it's everywhere. So you can make guesses according to those or you could think it's a rare earth, earth principle we're the only ones. Okay. So it depends how optimistic or pessimistic you want to be, what those numbers will be. I want, I'm optimistic, so I'm saying the numbers are probably quite so, high. So a pessimistic estimate of the Drake equation would be, I, I found this, this is quite a, a, a famous uh, interpretation of the equation, 9.1 times 10 to the power minus 11. So that would mean, it, essentially, if it's less than zero, it might as well just be zero, because okay. zero is means there's nothing in the it's universe, it, and that's way less than zero. But for the purposes of the equation, zero is the absolute. Okay. And an optimistic uh, guess would be around in our galaxy 15,600,000 okay. communicatable civilizations just within our galaxy alone. Yeah, I'll go with that one. And that's a, that's a pretty pretty well thought through guess yeah. that there are over 15 
million civilizations in our, our so in our galaxy alone. But this entirely depends on the person that's working out this equation. It does, and it depends how optimistic, and it depends. We don't know. As soon as we know these, yeah. we could give it a because re- if we knew all these, we could give a really quite an accurate yeah. thing. That's why the equation is so robust. But okay. then we got to talk about what kind of civilizations are out there. There's this called the Kardashian scale. It was. Ugh, I'm not going to lie. I read that Kardashian scale. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Preaching to the choir. So this came up with in nineties four. I don't know the name of the guy. I forgot it. Maybe it's Kardashian. And he wanted to, uh, how can you figure out, like, how can you categorize different kinds of alien civilizations? Yeah. So he came up with this type system. Yeah. That's so, really interesting. Let's Listen, Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan comes into it a bit because he had a go at trying to figure out where we are on the scope. Okay. So type one is a civilization that uses all the power on its own planet. So this scale is based on power consumption and power utilization, how they use power to to craft and mould their civilization. Okay. So type one, they use everything on a planet that's renewable energy, the resources, whatever, coal in yeah. the ground and stuff. So kind but, of like us, really? Kind yeah. of, but I'll get to that in a minute. Okay, okay. But the important bit is fusion power. Okay. And we're playing around with fusion power now, but we can't get it self-sustaining. We can turn it on for like a minute, but you have to put more power into it than you get out. So it's worth, it's, it's kind of experimental at the minute. Okay. Uh, so, type, so a type one example would be Star Trek, the Federation. Nice. They've kind of got things sorted on their home planet they're starting to zoom around the universe a little bit sort of yeah. cautiously star trek is a good example of type one civilization we reckon we're about 100 to 200 years away from from getting there so type two is a civilization which takes all the power from a sun or its nearest sun so they'd encase the sun theoretically in something called a dyson sphere which is a structure that covers the entire surface of the sun capturing all the energy from it and there are other things like antimatter utilization mm-hmm. but we think we're about a thousand years away Okay. from that so far. So type three is when you get sort of godlike. These, mm-hmm. these are a godlike alien machines. A good example would be the, the aliens in 2001, A Space Odyssey. What about mm. like Independence Day? They're kind of a type one because they come to Earth to steal all our resources so they haven't they haven't got to a they type two yet. Own... They can't do it from suns directly. They wouldn't okay. even bother with us. Harnessing energy. So no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Learn something today. So type three, a type three civilization would t- control the, the energy from an entire galaxy. So all oh. the stars or all the stars they could get to okay. they'd create their own black holes or take energy from black holes gamma ray bursts quasars which are stars I'm, I'm sorry I thought I read that as quavers they could take it from quavers <laughs> so yeah like 2001 a space odyssey they're, they, they're probably going to be more artificial than they are biological as a okay. species at that point so that's really in, interesting in, in human terms they're like more robotic than well, as a organic creature is that what you well, mean well as we go on we're getting more transhuman yeah and we're becoming more interlinked with machines. So it's reasonable to think that given enough time that we'll be more machine than biological. Or we might even be replaced by machines entirely. But we'll get to that in a bit. So we think, or Mijikaku, the the guy who was always always reading about his estimations for these, when we get to these, we're about 100,000 to a million years away from a type 3 civilization. So So we're definitely not going to be around. Well, we will. Yeah, might be. But that's, that's, that's where you get. And then it goes up type 4 but we can't really visualise this we can barely sort of start to think yeah. what a type 3 civilization would look like we, okay. we're not even beginning to sort of conceptualise the technology that that would no, I suppose, no 
no, no. Like, I was just about to say, like, I suppose, like, our it's only kind of limited by our knowledge. So we only really know past the sort of black hole and the gamma ray burst, and that's just the extent of our knowledge. So I suppose imagining anything pro like over that is a little bit beyond our reach because we haven't. It is. We haven't got a, a framework. We haven't got a yeah. context. There's nothing for to base it. it on. No. So the thing is, if there's that many civilizations in this the galaxy alone, fifteen and a half million, and there's all these probable different types of them, we should see them everywhere. And UFO sightings, I think, are proof of the civilization, especially type 2 and type 3, because yeah. they could be, we just don't understand if they are alien spaceships, how they would work. We were talking the other week about reverse engineering, but they, they can't figure out yeah. them. So, but put aside UFO sightings for a minute and accounts like that. We've been staring at the stars since about 1937 with radio telescopes, and we haven't picked up anything really apart from a couple of strange things. There was a thing called the yeah. wow signal, which SETI found the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, which was strange signal. Well, we haven't really found anything in the, what is it, nearly, what, 80 odd years we've been looking into space with radio telescopes. We've could, had no signals. But you could state though, because we we may have had signals, but you also, like, the scientists are theorising that there's type 1, type 2, type 3, however many type, but we may not be able to pick up those signals of a type 3 we've got, like, the, because the, yeah. we don't have the equipment to... But at some point in history, there would have been a type 2 or a type 1, so they would have sent out signals that we could detect. But how they could have sent those signals out before we as a civilization were as advanced enough pick up those signals. Well, the, the point is, you pay the... Okay, so let's, let's go to the, the Fermi paradox. The Fermi paradox is scale plus probability in the universe is so big and there's a probability that there's so many civilizations but we have no lack of evidence. So when we're talking about the scale of the universe and how we don't see any evidence, we've got to take into consideration there should be evidence from yeah. all over the place. The, the universe should be teeming with detectable signals and life. You'll still leave like a footprint, it doesn't matter how sort yeah. of far on in. radio signals travels through space at the speed of light. So we sent one out in 1974 with we think we've maybe been broadcasting probably since the late 19th century but and the first real signal that might have escaped our atmosphere and our planet was the 1936 Berlin Games where Hitler was giving his speech yeah. so he might be the first person that aliens wow. see Hitler giving a speech at the Olympics <laughs> What a, but the first the on. first message we purposefully sent out was in 1974 from the Arecibo uh, telescope, which is in South America, and it's currently 259 trillion miles away from Earth. Um, that's 45 light years away from Earth. So you would have expect that's a lot of planets in that distance. Our yeah. closest system is Alpha Centauri, the closest planet habitable planet possible habitable planet we found is Proxima Centauri b, which is only 4.2 light years away. But you would have thought within that time, if somebody had picked up that message, they would have sent something. Back. back. Like I say, SETI have been looking at the stars, trying to detect life since, what, the 60s and 70s, and they haven't found anything apart from a couple of interesting little doohickeys on the on the spectrum, the radio spectrum. But nothing so concrete that they were like, oh yeah, there's aliens. Yeah, so the Fermi paradox is where are the aliens? And there are reasons, and I again, I think UFOs counteract the Fermi paradox, because I think they are evidence that we are being visited by, but from the, the point of view of astrophysicists, radio astronomers, we there's no evidence there whatsoever. Astrobiology as well. So the reasons could be the distance between stars is too great, or the distance between habitable planets is too great, because it's, what, what was it, 15 
been uh, 15 and a half million civilizations, but there's there's sort of billions of stars, hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy alone. So the distance might just be too great between civilizations. Yeah. Rarity, they just might be not only distant, but rare. It might be a really rare thing for life to evolve in the universe. Yeah. And therefore, there's going to be less signals out there. Yeah. The one that I find the most impressing, but also the ma- most interesting, is that we're either the only life in the universe or in the galaxy. Or we might be the first, which I think is quite an interesting idea. That is quite depressing, but at the same time, if we're the first person, if we're the first planet to kind of set the premise, I suppose, for this kind of... Uh, for this kind of civilization, it's it's kind of interesting that um, if we're the first, then it's it, there's a lot to sort of take away from our civilization. Yeah, we so might. God knows what aliens. If if they if we are the first, what they'll take away from our first encounter of life. <laughs> so really obsessed with I, I don't I think it's all bullshit. But ancient aliens, the TV show. Ancient aliens. You know, aliens. Aliens with Georgia, the guy with the crazy hair. It's like What's a really you know, like History Channel doesn't do history programs anymore. It just yeah. does like gold hunting programs yes. or alien <laughs> programs, which is great. Yeah, but. They say, like, we've been visiting the past and helped out by these ancient alien civilizations. We could be that ancient alien civilization in the future helping people out. So I think that's quite cool. So the civilizations, even though they could develop civilizations, they can destroy themselves quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And we've come close, like, lots yeah. of times. Or d- through natural disasters, the sun's a bastard, nature's a bastard. It's yeah, tried to wipe us, us out. sweltering in the sea. Yeah. I mean, yeah, global warming isn't doing us any fun. But we've been trying to... Yeah, the dinosaurs. All life could have been yeah, wiped out in a similar... Expo- yeah, we don't really know why they died out. Exactly, nobody knows why they died out. Kind of think we killed them, maybe. Yeah. But what's that say that that could not have happened to yeah. a, a little green man? But there's been millions of species on this planet. We're the yeah. only ones that seem to have lasted long enough to develop an intelligence. And that's probably through sheer luck and fortunate coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> there's quite some quite interesting reasons why they could have been destroyed, like war. And there's a really interesting story that I was reading about the other day. During the Cuban Missile Crisis, when the Russians and the Americans nearly blew each other up over Cuba in the 60s, mm-hmm. the Russians on one of the submarines, because submarines had nuclear weapons on, were about to fire one of the nuclear torpedoes at a Russian ship. Right. And to do that, it required three officers, Russian officers, to okay yeah. it. Yeah. Two of those officers said yes, and one said no. Oh, right. So we basically, everybody on this planet owes their life to this one man. Because oh, if he said yes, they would have fired the torpedo and the nuclear war would have broken out. out. So this oh, guy's gosh. a hero. I don't know why. I can't. He's bad because I don't remember his name, but I'll find that out. I was going to say, that's like a, an unsung yeah. hero there. I love that. Yeah. So there's war, there's nature, there's technology, um, a Malthusian cast catastrophe which is where we outbreed ourselves faster than we can feed ourselves basically mm-hmm. maybe what happened with the Neanderthals and stuff so for a type 2 civilization, it could be a solar catastrophe like uh, the Dyson sphere could go horribly wrong or the yeah. sun could just go supernova yeah Technology again, uh, infertility, because there's, there's evidence just that as we get more technologically advanced, we could become more infertile. Interesting. Genetic degradation for certain reasons, again, uh, war. Type 3, it's kind of hard to be wiped out when you're that, that powerful. powerful. Yeah. But the Type 3 could be going round and destroying the other two, because they could see a sort of like bacteria or weeds in a garden that need yeah. to be cleansed. So that's another... So the hierarchy of types I suppose yeah and another is any of these uh, could be wiped out if on Newman Gray goo catastrophe which I always like the sound of is, it's like where you create machines that are self-replicating and oh, they'll right. eat like a cancer you, oh, okay. like cancerous cells where they yeah. replicate and they're just destroying entire civilization by consuming um, 
quite quickly. I get you. So there's there's lots of reasons why they could be destroyed. Um, I like the picture that went with that. That's lovely. Which Again, the grey people, people running away from grey go, oh, there's yeah. a technological singularity as well, which is always fun, which is where you create an artificial intelligence that can... More than a Terminator. It has a mind of its own, but it can improve itself uh, uh, exponentially so till it gets to a point where it becomes like a godlike machine, and it might decide it doesn't need life to, or, or its creators that's anymore. Terrifying. Yeah, that is terrifying. That's like my worst nightmare right there. And we could be quite close to that, doing that. Uh, that's like quite it. close. Don't so, like other reasons for why we can't find other aliens are they might not want to interact with us. Peace. Okay. I get it, I get it. I yeah, don't they want to just interact with us might not be bothered. It doesn't really explain why we're not picking them up. And again, I think they are interacting with us if you, you believe in the, the validity of UFO sightings. Yeah. And they might, as you said earlier, communicate in different methods. We might have missed their old signals that we could have detected and now they're talking across the galaxy in a completely different way. You think there'd still be like a footprint though of like some kind of... But we may have had that footprint. What, uh, what I'm saying is that we may have had that footprint, but our technical... Like where we were, like yeah. nineteen, let's say nineteen forty, which is three years after the that satellite was no, what's that thing called? A radio receiver. A radio receiver was set up. They may have sent it across at what where we are now, but we didn't have that technical advancement to understand it. No. Yeah. So there would be no footprint of it. And now they're like, for example, at a type two, where they're a little bit more advanced than we are, and we still can't understand it because we're only still at type one. Well, we're not. Oh, sorry, I didn't even go to that. So Carl Sagan proposed an equation to try and figure out where we were on the Kardashev scale. And I'm not going to pretend to know what the variables are in that, <laughs> but we're not even at type one yet. Okay. We're at 0.72. That's so, uh, oh wow. So current. we've not even reached it, one. That's like yeah. a recent in the past couple of years. Somebody's used that equation, and we're at 0.72. Amazing. So yeah, we we aren't even at that advancement then that we can understand it we can reach yeah. it because they may be but speaking in a different language they may have diff- different radio signals well it's not a language it's, you can detect it I mean we the, the message we sent out in 1974 I'll give I'll put it give it to you for the Instagram but it's like a graphic it's not a voice recording or anything it's a graphic it gives like a, a bit about us it's like yeah. what we look like in a really pixelated form and yeah. a bit of genetic and like a uh, to like basically yeah I think it, it uses hydrogen as a um, like a, hy- a model of a hyd- hydrogen element. What film is that shown in? Contact. You know about Contact? Yeah. Carl, the uh, Carl Sagan wrote, actually. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I've seen it. So, yeah. It's, in Contact? Oh, it's brilliant. No. It's got Jodie Foster. Have you watched any Asian And Matthew Foster? McConaughey. Jodie Foster, Silence of the Lambs, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Ah, no name. And you know who Matthew McConaughey is? Because um, Magic Mike. Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what? No, I've seen Dallas Buyers You'll like that because Jared Leto is actually a really good actor, isn't it? So, the point of this. So, the point of all this is when I asked you do you think there's life out there yeah. this is why these three well the Fermi paradox and the Drake equation are reasons why you can be right and wrong in that assumption at the same time we just don't know enough well, so that's, that's that's basically it. I hope that wasn't too boring for oh no it's well, giving me thought like thought for food that's sorry that's my stomach speaking no food for thought but I'm still going to go with the whole thing that I think aliens are out there. I just and again, I think UFOs are evidence yeah. of aliens, but yeah. from a purely mathematical, astronomical perspective, it's, 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 there's a lack of complete lack of evidence. Yeah, but no, and we should be finding more of it. For me, though, I found this really inspiring. So for me, with my whole creature design thing, like as you were going through the types, I was literally designing in my head what those kind of d- advanced beings would look like. So like obviously we'd get more mechanical and yeah. um, just sort of like swapping. So have, have you guys seen Repo? the genetic rock opera yeah. I know you With, have oh, I introduced yeah. it to you yes 
So, like, where you sort of, like, yeah. swap so, an upgrade, yeah. and, uh, like, that whole kind of, like, image of an upgraded form, I guess, well, can we come can... in different, so it can come in different sort of things, because obviously in different solar systems and different, in galaxies, their circumstances, so maybe they'll be yeah. more water-formed, so maybe they'll be more water-powered and stuff like that. It was just interesting, I've got <laughs> a real yeah, visual... Because you you've got to think, we don't, as humans, don't know what is living at the bottom of our seas and no. our oceans. I have, so like, limited they... knowledge, really. Yeah, and there could be planets out there who have intelligent life forms mm -hmm. but don't breathe necessarily the same air as us no they could no, breathe they through could, gills they could be developed differently and yeah they but they may be lower because you said well what 0 0.7279 they that's could where be, we are on the scale yeah. yeah but they could be on the scale at a 0 0.2 yeah well that's the point of the drake equation if, if life exists but it can't communicate it won't enter into that number because yeah. this is to find civilizations that we could possibly communicate with but and that leads us to the reason that we may be the first that are hit. I like that idea. I like yeah. it's kind of a lonely idea, but it's uh, yeah, it is. it's very lonely because the, the universe itself, thirty point eight billion years old. That sounds a like club, but it's it's really it's got a long way to go before yeah. it starts to, to decay and die. Oh well, we don't really know what's going to happen at got, the end of the universe. You've got to think. We're it's at, got a long way to go. We've only technically hit four point one light years. Look how big the universe is. It's ninety three billion. Yeah, light it's getting bigger. But yeah, but we've only we've only. Sent our recording uh, hello out to 4.2 light years mm. so you've still so it got might not have got all that way wait, but I mean that was directed in one direction it wasn't radiating out it was directed in one direction yes. but along the way it's still going to cross a lot of planets yeah and, yeah. Um, and then how, who's to say that the other way at 4.2 light years there is somebody but because we're only going in one direction you're only going to see the one route whereas mm. we haven't picked up anything <coughs> yet. yeah <coughs> on the other way so but we've been but looking yeah. it's just hard and that's that's the Fermi paradox Fermi Enrico Fermi was a, a designer of the atomic bomb and he just sat there one day and was thinking he was discussing with his friend about UFO sighting and at that time you know it was quite a hot topic UFOs yeah. and stuff Roswell, but he, he just thought we should yeah Roswell was in 47 so he just thought there should be more more out there the universe is so brass, uh, vast and the probability that life exists is so vast and we're starting to find more Earth-like planets all the time we've found yeah. I think a few hundred now yeah, in the sort of Goldilocks zone around stars because most stars aren't like as most stars would be the binary or triple systems we're quite rare that we've only got one sun in our solar yeah. system like Alpha Centauri has three stars in its system oh right okay so there's, there's which gives the probability that there might be better areas around multiple star systems for more habitable planets to develop rather than just around one star yeah. they said that um, so, so what was what was on the news recently well I say recently fairly recently um, where um, some, there was a planet in our solar system where they discovered water so they're sort of yeah. going down the, the route but there's a few possibilities now so there's Titan, Io, yeah. um, Mars. Mars, At yeah, some point Mars. may have had life. There's a good possibility for it. Yeah. They're definitely running water. But Io and Titan, I think, are the uh, which are moons of yeah. Saturn and Saturn Jupiter. And Jupiter. Yeah. So I think they they might find something, but we can't we can't get there on the surface yet. That's it. Technology But as soon as we get to us type one and we get our nice Star Trek outfits, <laughs> I want to be Picards. We get to have I sex with green alien ladies. Yay! I want to be like, like Kirk. No, he just ran around Picard. No, Kirk. Picard. Kirk. Picard. Kirk. Picard. Kirk. Picard. Kirk. Picard. I just want to be beamed up. Have you watched Star Trek? Have you seen Star Trek? <laughs> yes, my 
my dad's okay, like that a is one thing. Have you seen Star Wars? Yes. Yeah, I've seen Star Wars. Absolutely. Okay. My dad's like a real big nerd. Like he had the full Star Trek um, manual explanation when I was younger. So. Oh right. Yeah, full on. But so I've seen Independence which, Day. Which? But I haven't seen Independence Day. No. All contact. All contact. No. What about so Arrival? Sorry, carry on. Carry on. I was going to say one of my favourite sci-fi films lately is, or past few years, Arrival. Yeah. Have you seen Arrival? No. With so Amy would, Adams. That no. would probably be a, like Babylon Five. I don't know where they'd be. They'd probably be a type two, yeah. type three kind I of. I would. I would say that it'd be type two with edge towards type 3 it's an awesome film it's got it one of the really best good. designs for aliens they're sort of these giant squid oh, really? things that float in like are a are they real gas. though they're not CGI no, they're no, CGI. they are CGI it's really well done there are, really there are real ones in it but yeah. the widest like, scopes are obviously CGI because mm, okay. they're quite they're big but yeah that's but, okay so whose Star Trek fleet would you be on Star Trek fleet yeah. well no ship Picard? you mean sheep ship ship yeah. Picard Kurt you don't know anymore do you I can't remember the Janeway word. Janeway oh uh, no uh Janeway was awesome. Like I was all about that. That was. What was I, the one from Enterprise? What was his name? <sighs> Enterprise was quite recently, wasn't it? Well, t- t- probably twenty years ago, but relatively. Relatively, in the grand scheme of. Um, what was his name? I can't remember. I can't remember. No, I can't remember. All right, Kirk. 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 Oh, you'd be on Kirk. Kirk. Yes. Which Kirk? Original Kirk oh, or original. movie? William Shatner, surely. <sighs> You're a bit of a Shatner girl. Yeah, like he, he kind of. As soon as you think of Star Trek, you, you think, you of, think Shatner. of Shatner. Yeah, and then I think of Picard. Mm, yeah, I love me a little bit of Patrick Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming back into it, isn't he? I talked to Patrick Stewart once. Did you really? Yeah, one of my ex-girlfriends. Yeah, ex-girlfriends. She, her family were friends with him. Uh, uh, from like back in the day before he became famous and I think her mum used to babysit for his kids or something Yeah. so one day he rang their house I picked up and sort of had an I awkward know. moment well I didn't know what to say I just kept sort of saying hello over again <laughs> that's a good introduction that was it that's my Patrick's story I asked him how uh, he was doing and then my girlfriend at the time sort of wrenched the phone off me Oh, you had a moment I had a moment with him that's oh, amazing I wonder if he recalls that a connection that. I bet he does <laughs> that connection I bet he does say right, hello I think we should leave it there. <laughs> Yeah, because he's going to go into a deep, dark hole of loving Patrick Stewart. It's very easy to get there. Yeah, ironically, a black hole. Oh. <laughs> right, okay. so... That was really interesting. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to take a lot of stuff away from this. You are, I, I can see in your artist, you foreseeable future, a lot yeah. of alien gear coming out. I have a lot of aliens running through my head right now. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder so, how many people skip past that bit. I know, buddy. No, no, no seriously. That. If you skipped past it, rewind and listen <laughs> because it's actually quite interesting. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I, 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 well, I do. I've got a proper full-on UFO sighting story. A long story next week. Not the next episode, but yeah. next week. But yeah. yeah. So, but honestly, if you skip past it, rewind and it's listen. Got probing and everything. If I could have <laughs> sold it, <laughs> if I can understand what Nick was just talking about, yeah. then you guys will understand it. I as think well. the reference to <laughs> to films kind of. Bought it back to yeah. visualization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think the next like bit that we're going to be speaking about is the. Can paranormal. I do an impression? It's the paranormal. There's that stuff. <laughs> That's how you say. It's the paranormal. That was uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> right. So on to the next story. So, in this paranormal part, words, I'm going to be covering the Enfield poltergeist. Ooh. Do you guys know what a poltergeist is? Well... A, a spook. A spooky spook. 
the spookiest. Right. Is it? Can I take a wild stab? Yeah, yeah. Is it a ghost that attacks people? Kinda, yeah. The actual description of a poltergeist is A poltergeist is a spirit that is responsible for physical disturbances. They can punch, bite, hit and trip people up. They can also be known as troublesome spirits and can be found all over the world. They're also the ones that are most common to disturbing objects in a house, in a property, wherever there may be a residential spirit. So like Patrick Swayze when he figured out how to push the can off the bin. Or when yeah. he touched up that lady. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and popping. I've never seen Ghost either. Oh, really? Yeah. You know that scene, though? I was talking to... Yeah. We, I, we were I, talking. I, I, yeah. And I asked, in it, does, does he inhabit Whoopi Goldberg's yeah. and then have sex with his girlfriend? No, he doesn't have sex, but they fondle each other's hands and... Just the hands? Yeah, like, because you see, like, it cuts from... Because it cuts from being Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> to then being P- Patrick Swayze. So she holds... So, like, if you hold your hands out, like... Yes. So she's like... Ooh, and then rips them and then it cuts from there and then they stand up and then it turns into Patrick Swayze's but he does, hands she doesn't no 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 no, no. it's not full contact well I'm doing it's it okay, can we not though. please let's just get back to the story <laughs> don't need this dropping any I thought further. maybe she wore a strap on or something Nick stop <laughs> right so <laughs> Carry on. I haven't seen it, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm never going to get that image up with it. <laughs> right. So, in August 1977, the Hodgson family lived in Brimstoke, North London. The family consisted of Peggy and her four children. Margaret, who was 13, Janet, who was 12, John, who was 11, and Billy, who was 7. So they're quite young. Yeah. Peggy was considered a kind, pleasant, and conscientious lady who always did her best for her family. Margaret was a reserved child, whilst Janet was, like, the extrovert of the family. Yeah. She was bold, she was brass, she was pretty much a tomboy, but had her moments of being a girly girl. There's always one. John was only at home, 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 home during the weekends and school holidays, as he was at a boarding school for people with learning difficulties. Okay. Whilst Billy, who had a speech impediment, was home constantly, but he was classed as just a normal little boy. On the 31st of August, around 9.30pm, Janet and John heard shuffling in their bedroom. Peggy entered the room as she believed the children were just playing around. Whilst in there, all three of them heard knocking coming from the walls. The knocking stopped and as Peggy turned to leave, a chest of drawers moved 18 inches across the room. Oh wow, that's a substantial object. Yep. Oh wow. They obviously were petrified and yeah. went next door to get help. I mean, I would be the same. Yeah. I'll put, the, put these up on social as well, but the majority of the story happens to Janet and this is Janet. Oh Janet. Tomboy little girl. She looks terribly British. She Come does look very British. Very British. <laughs> very British of the 70s. So the next door neighbours were Vic and who was the husband and his son Gary who had been friendly with the Hodgesons came in to see what was going on. The knocking followed Vic around the house continuously like didn't stop. Oh, wow. He'd walk into the dining room the knocking would continue in the dining room. Whilst Peggy, like, she was scared, called the police. Mm-hmm. WPC Heaps and PC Hames arrived at 1am. Upon checking the house, they found no intruders, because that's what the family initially thought it was. Yeah. Somebody was hiding and playing a nasty game. Yeah. They spoke to the Hodgsons in the living room, where Heaps witnessed a chair move three to four feet without any physical contact. Ooh. 
Following this, the knocking began again. With the police in the room? With the police there. Ooh. So they can't not uh, say anything at that point? No. Okay. And everybody was like, we well, know that there is nobody <coughs> apart from you and Vic mm. and the son Gary in this house. Yeah. What? What's going on? Yeah. yeah. Over the next few days, things such as marbles and Legos flew around the house. These flights were witnessed by the Hodgsons and the Nottinghams, who were the next door neighbours. Yeah. They called the council, because they lived in a council house. Okay. And the clergyman, so people so, of the church, neither of which would offer an opinion on what was going on. Oh, really? On the 4th of September, Peggy rang the Daily Mirror in the hope that they could put the Hodgkinsons in touch with someone who could help. Reporter Douglas Bennett and photographer Graham Morris visited the house. On their visit, they both experienced things fly at them, and Graham had a piece of Lego hit him on his forehead. He said that the bruise was there still a few days later. So it was quite impactful then. Quite a hard hit. Wow. They reported back to the senior reporter George Fallows and for photographer David Thorpe, who both later visited the house. Fallows rang the Society for Physical Research, aka the SPR. So the SPR is the Society of Physical Research, is the oldest paranormal investigators in the world. It was set up in London in 1882 by a group of scientists, philosophers and other academics. Its mission statement is to approach these varied problems without prejudice or predisposition of any kind, and in the same spirit of exact and unpassioned inquiry which has enabled science to solve so many problems once not less obscure nor less hotly debated although it does have its critics it has still remained one of the most legitimate 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 thank you (laughs) grammar is not my thing today (laughs) research bodies in such activity and still funds various research papers across the world so it's a bunch of academics sort of sitting around a table and looking at this issue logically rather than like it's it's refreshing to hear that there's a group yeah yeah. And they're the oldest one in the world, like, created in 1882. Nice. Good to know there was something there. Yeah. So, Fallows spoke to the secretary, secretary, Elena O'Keefe. O'Keefe got in touch with a new investigator in the organisation called Maurice Gross. Okay. Mr. Gross. I like that. And this is what Mr. Gross looked like <laughs> in 1977. Oh, oh my so God, that's a look. That is a look and a half. <laughs> Yeah. Gross was a successful inventor who created items like the rotating billboard sign. The rotating billboard. Oh, oh the rotating changed billboard. Changed the fa- face of humanity. Yeah, it changed the face of the advertising industry. <laughs> his interest in paranormal <coughs> followed the death of his daughter in 1976. Okay. Was she killed in a rotating billboard accident? I hope not, because that would be kind of sucky. <laughs> But no, so Gross initially visited the house on the 5th of September and recommended that Peggy remain calm but keep notes on the incidents. He returned on the 8th with three Daily Mail reporters. All of them had heard a large crash as they entered. Gross was convinced and took on their case. On the night that Gross arrived, he tried to communicate with the poltergeist by a series of knocks. He began by asking questions like, did you die in this house? The spirit was encouraged to knock once for no and twice for yes. It followed this rule until it came back with three knocks and Maurice asked if it was playing a game with him. To answer this, the spirit threw a box of cushions in his face. At least it was cushions, I guess. But a box full. Not just a singular cushion. The whole box. I mean, it's better than a box of nails. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Author and investigator Guy Playfair responded to Gross's appeal for help and arrived on the 12th of September. He and Gross worked together for over a year and made 180 visits and 25 all-night visits to the house. Wow, so it was like full-on intense sort of research they then. full-on did as much as they could. Nice. Okay. The Enfield Poltergeist was one of the most recorded hauntings with 180 hours of taped material 
material, as well as reports and notes. So uh, plenty of people have seen, heard, witnessed and watched all of this happen? Not just that, it's they recorded like with the cameras that were available at the time mm-hmm. and via like sounds, like dictator, yeah. uh, not dictator, dictaphones, dictaphones 180 <clears throat> hours. Okay. So Did they have any other like communication um, apparatus with them? So like, you know, like all the... Oh, the obvious. No, that, that wasn't invented yet. Yeah, sorry. the obvious was not invented no. yet. Obvious. So there was nothing like um, like spirit boards and, and whatnot in, involved or... Maybe. Oh, okay. Okay, we'll get to that. Maybe. We'll get to Sorry, that. I said the obvious it wasn't invented. I mean, it wasn't shipped over from China and... Well, it still <laughs> wasn't invented in 1977. A knockoff iPod was shipping. <laughs> a list of hauntings, and hauntings are a... Quotation Quotation marks, was compiled. These are the kind of things that happened. Marbles and Legos travelling through the air. Metal spoons bending as well as metal teapots lids completely deforming on itself. What? That's a lot of energy. Carb- it's not even half the list. Oh, gosh. Cardboard boxes and cushions being thrown when no one is near them. Pictures and certificates being pulled off the walls when Gross was in there alone. (laughs) That's like, no, you cannot succeed. Yeah. (laughs) A bedroom carpet being pulled up in one corner and put into a shape that no one in the household could replicate. What? Like, so they folded the carpet? That you couldn't physically, as a human, fold the carpet in. As in a full carpet, the ones that are attached to the floor. Right, so it was lifted up. Lifted up and and folded into a shape that no human could replicate. So like carpet origami? Yeah. That's insane. Intense origami. Why not? That's that's like (laughs) creativity. Are there photos of it? There isn't photos of that one, but there is a few other things that there are photos of. Why don't you take a photo of that? I want to see the carpet origami. Yeah. (laughs) Um, A settee was levitated and overturned in front of several people including the police officers no way Janet was levitated and deposited in different places at different times what so like physically picked up off the floor feet weren't touching no fish wires no practical effects involved in this whatsoever no but there is a photo of Janet and she'd been put to bed at standard time and Martin Grass and this guy Playfair writer were there like doing like taping one of their overnight visits yeah and she'd been put to bed at normal time Time. They heard knocking coming from her room. Right. So they went to investigate. As you would. And found Janet asleep, completely unconscious, on top of her dresser. So they took a photo. No! What is that? No. She's she was asleep. Completely unconscious. They tried for a good half hour to try and wake her. Look at that guy's face! He he's, looks... he's That's guy playful. Okay. Playfair, sorry. And he is completely like, I don't know how to wake her. Yeah. They tried to move her to get her back into bed and it, it was like she was stuck. What's the picture on the back? Of, like, I was gonna have. I was gonna ask. Like it's like David Cassidy or something. You gotta think it's the seventies. She's a twelve-year-old little girl. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's David Cassidy. Yeah, she's twelve, so it's probably a bit of David Cassidy. I don't know who else was back in the seventies. So she looks like she's on a radio in this photo. Yeah, photo. she's on a dresser on the dresser on a radio, radio, and, and she's completely unconscious. She's got the head to So, yeah, she's completely unconscious. May I have it back? That's oh. insane. Obviously, I will be... Does, uh, does she have any recollection of that? No. So she doesn't remember getting no, she wake, that position? she remembers waking back up in a bed and going, what's the matter? So she was she was put back into her bed from that position? Her then? parents, like her mum, eventually, was because her mum was a single mother. Oh, okay, okay. Her mum eventually was able to get her off of that with Grosses oh, okay. and Playfair's help. Okay. Put her back into bed, thing, and then some. I think it was Grossy that stayed with her the whole night right when she woke up the next morning she was like what's the matter yeah 
And he was like, do you not remember? She's like, no, don't remember anything. No, I don't like that. Have you got any more photos? I have more photos. um, Have a butcher's. We'll get to those, I suppose. We'll get into those. (laughs) So, footsteps were also heard in the house when nobody was in the room where the noise was coming from. Margaret was also held down by, like, an unknown force. Like, nobody could tell why she was, like, being held into position. Okay. Did she just feel like pinned, like she couldn't she, get up? And... She couldn't pin, and when people were trying to pull her up, they couldn't pull her up. But then, oh wow! So it was like everybody was trying to get trying her up. to help. But okay. then skeptics do say that she could have been doing that to herself because you can add weight to yeah. your own body. So I can see that. But why though? Why? Why would you want to do that? For the attention, I you could say mm. for the attention. Okay. Uh, smile, smile. No, mm-hmm. small fires began and extinguished themselves with no damage to anything around them. What? Yeah, what do? Water appeared where there was well, there had been none, where there would be no <clears throat> cause for it. Like a puddle would just appear, <clears throat> and there could be no logical reason why that puddle would just appear. A couple of times, like people were like at the beginning were like, "Oh, so and so's wet himself." Like Billy, the little boy, mm-hmm. had wet himself, but then it started appearing when Billy wasn't even in the house. Right, okay. okay. Was, it, was this like physical water that you could touch or was this kind of like an apparition? No, sort physical of, like, water. You could touch. Oh, touch oh, okay, it, yeah. well, okay. Normal, reliable electrical equipment stopped working. So that's including all the electrics in the house. Yeah. Sometimes stuff that Gross and Playfair had also brought in that they knew worked in the environment outside. Mm-hmm. But when they brought it into the house, it worked for a little bit and then go, nah, I'm done. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. It's amazing how many instances of like paranormal stories that electricity just kind of cut out on those yeah. sorts of things. I think because there's got to be a different kind of energy and it just yeah. don't like it. Interesting. The iron frame that was around the living room fireplace was pulled off of the wall. Oh, so like an attached fireplace Surround, frame? Yeah. <gasps> Completely pulled off the wall. But the brick, the plaster, everything else was pristine. How? What? And it was embedded in the wall? Completely attached to the wall, because in the old council houses, they pretty much attached it to the wall so it wouldn't be moved yeah. until they came and removed it. But no, like that. <laughs> this was pulled off the wall. This ghost has got a, a bit of an issue, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. A little bit pissed off. Some of these things happened at the same time, such as like banging and knocking, as well as like a fire starting in another room okay. and going out in another room, kind of thing. But they also happened no matter the time of day. It could okay. be late at night, early in the daytime. Right. Okay. Okay. Some cases were seen by the family, by friends, by Grass Playfair, but a couple were seen by the general public as well. Oh, wow. One lady called Hazel Short, who was a lollipop lady, said that. Let me give you why she was there. She was a lollipop lady, and right outside the house is a zebra crossing that leads to. The school. Don't say it. zebra. zebra. You're not American. Zebra. Yes, that's better. Zebra, 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 whatever. And she used to. She'd ask Peggy if it was okay. And she could <coughs> store her lo- lollipop stick underneath the hedge in the front garden. Okay. And Peggy was like, "Yeah, that's fine. It's not like the hedge is going to offend anybody." Kind do of thing. Do they still exist, lollipop lady? They do. Yeah, yeah they do. They still get up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Are, they, are they a British thing? Do you come in the rest of the world, lollipop I don't lady? Think you get Maybe them. we should explain what a lollipop lady is. A lollipop so. lady is somebody over a zebra crossing who assists children and elderly across the road to stop yeah. the traffic to make sure the traffic is completely stopped and nobody's going to speed through. And they're called lollipop ladies because they hold a big stick with a, um, well, it looks like a giant lollipop. Lollipop, yeah. I absolutely love them because my nan used to be a lollipop lady so she had a, I used to play with her lollipop stick as I was younger which was quite mm. novel and fun. One down it, down the road from me when I was a kid was a right bitch. Oh, really? <laughs> she wanted us dead. <laughs> you will she not was be not into her job. She was not into her job at all. <laughs> 
So she says, I was standing there looking at the house, grabbing my lollipop stick, when all of a sudden a couple of books came flying and hit the window. It was so sudden and I heard the noise as it was so quiet because there was no traffic about yet and it made me jump. Then after a little while, I saw Janet and I don't know if there's a bed under the window, but she was going up and down bodily as though somebody was just tossing her up and down. Was that eye contact or did she just see it? She just saw it. Uh, I definitely saw her come up to about window height and I thought, oh, she's just bouncing. She would be bouncing from her feet. Right. As she wasn't, she wouldn't have enough power to bounce from her back. She was being flung from her back down and up. As no. if somebody was grabbing her feet. Oh, right, okay. Uh, I don't like it. My friend, who's the lollipop lady, because you know they have one each side, yeah. saw her too. Oh. I don't like it. <laughs> so, in December, three months after the disturbances started, a voice started to emanate. Emanate? Emulate? Basically, a voice was started coming from Janet's throat. Emanate. Emanate, that's the word. (laughs) Told you, English is... Oh, like proper exorcist. Style, yeah. Oh, wow. (gasps) It began as whistles and dog-like barks. What, just as shit her mouth was open? Yep. Like Lilo and Stitch? Slowly developed into a human male voice. Oh my god, (laughs) that's creepy. Step to your best male demon voice. Um... <laughs> that it sounds like a smoke fur back today. It does. The, the only demon that I kind of like associate. Do you remember a game called Atmosphere? Yes. Yeah. The game keeper. Keeper. Yeah. The game keeper. Oh, I no. I thought it was, anyway, <laughs> we were playing that the other. Yeah, time. we actually we actually own that game on DVD, really? so we can play it. On oh, DVD. Yeah, yes. so we can play it pr- like modern times. Oh my god, mine's still on a video cassette. Yeah, we originally <laughs> had it on a video cassette. I need I need that DVD. So. This voice could be heard as an elderly man and was harsh and guttural and completely different to Janet. The voice Is there a recording of this? Please tell me there's a recording. There is recording of this. Oh, right. yes! Okay. I, need to, I need to look at that. It's on YouTube and it happens during an interview she gives, which I'll cool. explain in a little bit, okay? We need, we need to see that. We need to hear that. We need to hear that. Yeah. It needs to happen. It was okay. I'm so excited. I love it when there's like video and like recording evidence because it's sort of like you're you're sort of watching it. I mean, I know there's like video and photo manipulation and whatnot, but like in that sort of time, it wasn't as rife as it is today. No. Sorry, I'm just googling it. So UFOs, it's a lot harder to trust UFO footage and pictures these yeah. days than it used to be because to do camera trickery and, and manipulation, you'd have to have basically have your own dark room to to be able to do that kind of thing. It's yeah. quite hard. Anybody with a copy of Photoshop can do it. Explain it in a minute because um, there has been quite a few films in that made. Is, the exorcist, is the exorcist based on? No. No, it's not based on. She does have, like, I did think that because in that picture where she's, like, on the radio, she's wearing a nighty and no. it looks very similar. I've never seen the exorcist. Well, mm, I've only seen the really key scenes and that's only because I know how they're made. <laughs> You'll hear here uh, the whistling first of all and then the barking. And here is this noise. The barking here is quite extraordinary actually. I then said to it, 
I then, uh, as I said on the tape here, I then said to it, if you can whistle and bark and groan, then you can talk. And I asked it to actually say my name. Well, just a minute. Right, we'll try again. I want you to call out my name. My complete name. Morris Gross. See if you can do that. Say my name again. Come on. Let me I'm hear not convinced name. by that. <laughs> I thought it would be better. It's a recording of a recording. So you do have some distortion no. there. Yeah. I don't know. I think a little girl can make that sound naturally. I don't think. No, naturally. I personally tried. don't. Was her mouth moving? Like it was, you know, so like her mouth was just open and these words were being enunciated. Say, say Morris in a really gruff voice. Go. Morris. <laughs> Morris. Hey, well, that's about the same. <laughs> but you've got to think, it also sounds very dog like. It Try sounds... doing saying Morris with a bark as well. Morris! <laughs> Morris! <laughs> you you can do it a lot easier because your voice is well, made anyway. Try it, anyway. try it for a uh, louder volume. Try it. <laughs> Morris! There we go. You I sound like you're saying Boris. <laughs> Morris! No, you know what it reminds me of? The um, aliens from Mars Attacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Okay, so when interrogated, the voice gave further details. I went blind and I had a hemorrhage and I fell asleep and I died in a chair in the corner of downstairs. This was after the recording? This is There is tapes of this, but this is the only... Because it was in interviews and stuff like that. Okay. You can listen to the tapes online, but you need to be a member of the SPR. No. And I, it's, only, like, it's only an annual fee, but I currently don't have the funds to pay for an annual fee to the SPR, even though I would love to. Do you get anything for it to be end of members, or do you just get access to all of these files? You get access to all files of every single ghostly mm. occurrence in the world. Okay, that's quite interesting. Yeah. But how much for, though? 20 quid. I mean... Mm, that's not yeah. too bad. Yeah. No, but I, like I said, don't have the money to do it. <laughs> I might do it and just tell you I've done it and then tease you with it. But I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not I can see you doing that, actually. No, I'm not letting you access to my spooky files. Get your own. Oh, Get your own. Files. To eliminate the possibility that Janet was faking, Ross taped her mouth up, mm? but the voice could still be heard. Yeah. How? Like muffled? Oh, guttural,ly in a yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it could still be heard clearly. <laughs> but clearly, you're not clear. You're muffled. People can do that, you know. So like Jesse J, singers, yeah, and and ventrilo- of course, yeah, yeah, ventriloquism. Yeah. So there are skeptics who are ventriloquists that have said it's possible. It is possible, but it does take a lot of training. Yeah, a lot of training. So for a twelve-year-old girl to be able to do this. It's yeah. either she's a miracle, she's haunted, or she, she, she might be just doing naturally. She could be very skilled naturally. So there are skeptics out there that are like, doesn't yeah. really. That's, that's not the strongest yeah. thing in the world. No. In March of 1978, Stuart Lomont, who was a broadcaster for BBC Scotland, visited the house twice. His second visit, he interviewed the family for the nationwide special. It was in this interview that captured the poltergeist speaking through Janet. Okay, there is a really creepy smiling photo. Ah, and obviously we've got evidence of and this I've really creepy this smiling photo. So. Okay, bring it on. Let's do it. This is Janet during the interview, looking rather unimpressed. Yeah. A bit bored. 
Mm-hmm. Colour ball. But yeah. And then she, oh, is that it? Oh, I thought you meant like. And then it gets bigger and bigger until it's quite. My, that's the yeah. only snapshot, I, like the screenshot I could get because I kept missing it. Okay, that is quite creepy. Yeah. You could tell, I don't know, her face looks more menacing. The other one looks really play- playful. Look, she's bored. Yeah. She's 12. She's bored. She yeah. doesn't really want to do this. It looks really playful, but the other one, it's just like. Mm. Everything. Her eyes look like they're dead. Yeah. Her grin goes quite maniacal. Yeah. You know, like the Grinch when he does that kind of like. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like that. I don't, I don't buy that as evidence of some kind of okay, demon. That's evidence, maybe not so convincing, but like she's definitely looking oddly. But yeah, I mean, like, okay. So in June, on June the sixteenth, nineteen seventy-eight, it brought two more guests to the Hudson's household. The poltergeist did. No, no. Well, kinda. What? So you brought friends to the party? Uh, a little bit. Uh, okay. These guests are known as Ed and Lorraine Warren. What's that ring about? Does that ring about? The Amityville House. Ah! Annabelle, Ed and Lorraine Warren. No way. They visited three times. Lorraine wrote to Gross and said she'd been following the story closely. They helped take part with the family in the live transatlantic call to the radio station in Pennsylvania. A year after the events died down, the Warrens returned and recorded 13 hours of audio, captured the phenomena on camera. All of this can be found at their museum and in their case files. Oh, really? Have you got a picture of anything here? Uh, no, oh. I didn't. Can you find it online? Um, I could probably. You must be able to, surely. I could probably find one online. It's just I forgot to save one. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting that the Warrens are literally going all around the world to like pick up these paranormal. It's uh, almost like they're making a career out of it. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> almost. Yes, almost. Well, well, did they get paid for this? Like, was there monetary exchange? <laughs> It's the Warrens, so what do you think? It's the Warrens. I suppose they're quite... What, are they known for, for... I don't know who these people are. Ed and Lorraine yeah. Warren, they are... I know of the Amityville horror. Ed is yeah. a demonologist. Obviously. Lorraine is a psychic. But they were before the, the horrors, weren't they? They like, were. They, before the, their paranormal. Oh, my God. Yeah. But a lot of people go to them, uh, so there's like loads of different instances, loads of other really famous cases. Such as Amityville or... They, they act as consultants um, for a fee. Yeah, and they... T- not necessarily a fee, because they didn't... For the Annabelle case they didn't take a fee for that one that was it the Annabelle the one that was in King of yeah they just took the doll oh <laughs> so they took the doll that's worth the money that they can put in their museum but they didn't have a museum until about four years ago is the doll in the museum now yes the yeah. doll's still there the doll is so like they took the commodity glass. out of that situation yeah which is fine because I would not want that doll in my yeah, life that, that I would be well so happy this with is one of the cool. photos that Ed and Lorraine captured oh I've seen that photo that? before that's Janet being mm-hmm. thrown off the bed it kind of looks like she's just doing like a rock star jump from a you know like when the rock stars what, jump from speakers and stuff, and stuff yeah. yeah I mean but then there's also that one. Oh, okay that one looks What's a bit more menacing look- I mean could a they could be like could old a, I mean could this this girl be like hyperactive or autistic or there was how to word it could these, these things she's doing there are skeptics out there that are saying that she's doing it for the attention okay. that she's doing it because to start off with it was they were the kid Margaret and Janet because things happened to Margaret as well not as extensively as they did to Janet yeah but there are skeptics out there that said that it could be that they attention and the, pre- the press got involved and they got more attention so they carried That's, it on yeah a legitimate I mean, idea but it but does most of for, it surround the girl yeah it does yeah it's not the first time that a, she, a girl has but you've got a, was she anal- ever analysed psychologically or medically yes he was yes oh, okay. and I'm going to get that into that in a bit okay. Okay. okay so another photo captured by Ed and Lorraine is this one can't see the object because it's flown behind the woman's head but something got thrown at her. Oh, right, okay. So it's just her 
they're looking very yeah. scared. Yes. Okay. Um, and there's one more. Is where is it gone? Oh, I can't find it. <laughs> is there any like video footage and stuff like that? There is video footage, but you need to be careful when finding it because again, I'll go into this in more detail like in a minute. But okay. there's video footage you can find on YouTube. There's also documentaries about it, okay. talking with the family members. So it was extensively covered then, really. Yeah. Okay. And it's in the documentaries that I watched. There is video evidence of things happening that you are a bit like. Mm. Okay. How did that? Like, I'm not. I believe in Poltergeist 100%, but because they freaked me the fuck out. Mm-hmm. But there is times where I'm like, well, how could I? How could they have done that in 1970? Yeah. For it to look real, for it not to look like you faked it. And they, because you got to think, they live in London in a council house. Hmm. Is a single mother, four kids. One of them's at boarding school. Yeah. They're not going to have the equipment that people in like. Well, in you've the film you've got a contract with. There have been some pretty sophisticated hoaxes. Mm-hmm. In history yeah. perpetrated by yeah, this yeah. ordinary people. And I can 100%, I'm like, yeah, there might be. I mean, like, in, I can't remember if it was like Victoria, but there was that instance where that woman um, took a picture of fairies in her garden. Yes. Yeah. And it literally just turned J. out to be pictures J. on a stick. And Barry. Was it that? The man in, featured in the photo, yeah. There we go. So, like, yeah, there was literally, like, fairies that she'd cut out from the magazine and stuck them on a stick. And superimposed it, but that's yeah. on a photo. You're mm. thinking about this with a motion. It's motion, but yeah. But again, mm. people can be ingenious yeah. when and they. Yeah, I'm also counteracting it with the fact that council estate and they live like a council estate in the 70s mum's a single mother four kids there's not going to be terribly amount of technology about to do yeah. that okay. they had one TV in the whole house and they had two radios one in the kitchen and one in Janet and Margaret's room which she was found resting upon yeah. all of the rest of their money went to the boarding school okay because you've got that child well, again, with special I don't think it's something you have to be rich to do you just have to have no. the ingenuity to, yeah. to be able to figure out but, how to do something I mean those flying through the air pitch were literally just her doing like a it could have been her doing a rock star jump yeah yeah, yeah they don't see if she was yeah. so other methods of investigation were undertaken to make sure it was actually paranormal and not a disability yes that's what I was interested yeah. in okay in May 1978 the SPR commissioned a committee to look at the investigation they were wary of Janet's voice but did say that the house had a poltergeist especially after the fireplaces so even the SPR are like could be a ventriloquist okay, okay. So even they're a bit sceptical about it. Okay. I suppose I suppose in those sorts of instances you have to be sceptical up until the point where it's proven. So. Literally thrown in your face, yeah. hard fact. Yeah. Physicist John Hasted found that Janet's body increased in weight when she was strapped to the blunder's couch, which is a device to measure such anomalies. Hmm. So they say that when you wake up in the morning, your body is lighter than when you go to sleep. Oh, right. Okay. Because your muscles are relaxed, there's no tension built up. You haven't got food inside. You've not got food. You've got um, You've not got water. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, your yeah. body is lighter. Yep. So this chair measures those anomalies, especially in somebody who's got like ill health. Yeah. So if somebody is constantly sick and is losing weight, but eating loads and drinking loads, mm-hmm. then it's to try and find out how. So how I much guess the losing. theory is that a spirit will weigh, physically weighs yeah. something the in somebody's will body. Put the weight upon itself. Okay. He well, also that's an interesting found, test to do. He also found that in Janet's presence, a light bulb exploded, and that the glass supports on which the filament was mounted had snapped off completely. Does it not snap off completely most of the time? No. no. Well, normally when a light bulb explodes, you've got, for example, light bulb, yeah. don't look at the light. <clears throat> yeah, like I just did. <laughs> the glass that surrounds the bulb. Right. Between the metal wires at the top, there's two glass and these filaments. Normally it burns out because it gets so hot, the heat then causes the glass to expand and burst. Um, yeah, okay. You don't normally notice that the, like, the wire is snapped both at the same place, both sides. 
as if somebody's gone. I have had that happen before, though, on a ball. I'm not going to lie. Okay, I, I'm that's like, fine. But that's something he was. This was physicist like, was a bit like that's so odd. Okay. Another physicist called David Robertson carried out experiments on the house. He tried to secretly video record Janet, but every time she knew the cameras were there or they malfunctioned. He did witness the teleportation of a cushion to the roof and a sideboard completely overturning. Oh, completely okay. overturning. Gosh. And a pillow that was in the living room yeah. literally disappearing, going outside and it being on the roof. That's weird. When there was nobody that could throw it on the roof. No. Okay. Janet was given physical and psycho... Psychology... Why can't I say this? Psychological. Psychological assessments at London's Maudsley Institute of Neuropsychiatry and no abnormality was discovered inside her brain. So she was fine. So she had no mental illness whatsoever. Nothing. No autism, no ADHD, no brain defect. Well, I don't think ADHD is quite a new diagnosis. Yeah, but I'm just saying there's nothing that would have been classed as. Okay, she's now grown up. Mm. She's then had these testings for a recent documentary again. Okay. And her brain is still clear. Okay. Mm. It's just signs of standard age wear and tear on it. Yeah. There was nothing that would suggest that 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 she she would would have ADHD now kind of thing. Because ADHD isn't something that just disappears. No, 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 no. no. So, no brain, she wasn't dropped on her head as a baby. (laughs) Nothing, no brain damage. No tiny little thing that bumped on the head that would have caused this. No. Would have caused her to act like this. Okay? She was also placed under hypnosis. But that failed to cover any evidence because she couldn't speak. What, as in like she couldn't form words or like... She couldn't form words under hypnosis. Oh. Yeah. Great, great. Yes. So, to this day, investigators can't explain what happened. But once the family had moved out, the phenomenon stopped. Oh, okay. So, everybody, sceptics, SPR, res- paranormal researchers of modern day, believe that it is somehow tied to Janet. But she's moved. It's she's stopped. moved out. Yeah, hence why it stopped. In 2012, Janet admitted that she had used an Ouija board before the events began. Ah, it always starts there. But never, as critics state, faked any of the occurrences. Well, she she can say that, she obviously. She can say that. She Margaret, say her that, sister, also but... says that. Yeah. But again, I if mean... you've got notoriety from this story for so long, you're not going to come out and say, well, yeah, I did fake it. No. Yeah, no. no. Stick to it. No. And it was heavily covered, no. so like it a lot was. of people knew about it. The Enfield Poltergeist has been turned into many books, obviously. Yeah. A few dozen documentaries and a few dozen films. The Conjuring 2 no, is was based that? on the Enfield Poltergeist. Oh, wait, so what was Conjuring 1 then? That's Another ghost. Is that the one with the doll? No, Annabelle is on the same. Oh, right. Um, That's an American one. Oh, okay. Before the Amateurville, the Um, first case that Ed and Lorraine covered. But The Conjuring 2 is based based on the events at Infield Port. Infield Port's ghost. Infield ghost. Creepy. I mean, it seems, I guess, I know you said the explanation for why it stopped was that it was attached to her as an individual rather than the property, but that seems, I don't know, it just seems like they'd had enough of maybe keeping it up. They do. That's what, quite a lot of sceptics did say that the kids had got bored of it yeah they'd had enough now game's over I mean you get, I guess you got to look at what they gained from it I mean it is interesting it's definitely yeah. probably the most interesting one we've talked about so far into, especially because scientists have been in and stuff yeah. but I guess you've got to look at did they gain financially not much from it they've no. obviously got fame otherwise we wouldn't be talking about them they today they didn't get fame yeah but they didn't get much monetary value from it okay. they didn't move from their council house into a mansion 
ocean as well. <laughs> oh gosh, no! They moved from one council, which had started the area had started to get rough. Well, uh, yeah, I guess the financial gain is there's a lot of other reasons yeah. why people will do things for nothing. But, yeah, but I could tell you before you even ask the question on a scale of. Well, now I've got to ask the question because we do that every episode. Now. Okay. So on a scale of, <laughs> we're still sticking to the old one. Oh fuck to bullshit. Where, where do you go on that? Oh fuck! <laughs> Are you right up there? Yeah, it that right one there. did me. As watching the tapes, watching the documentaries, yeah. I was just like, nope, nope, nope. Steph? Hmm, I'm a finger, I'm like, oh, what? Because I'm a little bit sceptical. Yeah. There's a, there's a few things that I'm sort of like, there's rock star poses and like, I don't know, there's a few things that I'm sort yeah. of like, mm, so we'll go with a what? Yeah, Nick? I think it's because scientists went sub-scientists. I mean, I, I don't know who those people were you mentioned, but it's definitely worth, I'll definitely look at who the people, who they were who went in. Yeah. It sounds like it's, they came in with an uh, unbiased sort of thing. Yeah, well, I don't, I'm not familiar with the organisation either. I don't know how unbiased they are as an organisation. But it's, I'd go a, a moderately long Google search above, <laughs> that's bullshit for this one. So you're at a two then? We don't quantify it with numbers. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to make... Okay, I'd probably sit and eat a couple of bagels. That kind of time worth I'd spend on researching this. A couple there of we bagels. Go. Yeah, while I'm at my computer. <laughs> okay. So Interesting. I, I take it you guys enjoyed that one more. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah, That's, it was really good. I liked it. And the pictures were, you know, built, in, built the visual representation. Yes, the when I was like... Oh, the pictures. Yeah. So I think that's the end of this episode. Yeah, that was good. So we're um, going to have a shorter one next time. Well, we're going to have another one this week. Yeah, you guys are going to be having an extra episode this week because me and Steph want to finish. Well, I definitely want to find out about this Dennis guy. Yeah, Dennis Nilsson. We'll have the profile about him and the more of the psychology of what goes on in his, his life and story and what brought him to that moment. But yeah, we'll wait till next time on that one. I'm excited. You can find us on Facebook at... At crime.creepsandcoffeepodcast. On Twitter. At CCNC Podcast. And on Instagram. At crimes underscore creeps underscore and underscore coffee. And where can you. We're on Spotify now. We're on Spotify, we're on yeah. iTunes, we're on Castbox. Are we on MySpace? Yes. MySpace? Have we so got we're a not MySpace? On MySpace? No, we are not on MySpace, but That's like we are on, on all the podcast providers. So yeah, you can listen to us wherever you like. I think we should have a MySpace. <laughs> is that even still going? What we would still love, though, is if you guys have any true crime, paranormal UFO stories that have happened to you, yeah, send them through to us at crimescreepsandcoffee at gmail.com. And we've got our first listener episode slash Nick's episode next week. And then Looking after that, it'll be it. a month after that. So you've got time to get them in. But we look forward to seeing you next time. Well, see you yeah, next please time. submit them because at the minute I'm reading out one of my best friend's rubbish stories about a Sasquatch and it is objectively <laughs> terrible so please send in some stories so I think that's it from us guys so yeah. we'll speak to you next time thanks again bye 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 bye, bye. bye. bye.